rdtdaily.com presents a Tara Buster with comedian Tara Devlin. Yo, what's happening? My name is Tara Devlin. Thank you for hanging out. We we live here. I was going to say we meet here and we're living. We're living. In spite of it all, we're still alive. My name is Tara Devlin. We meet here every Saturday evening from 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern at the RDT Daily Facebook and YouTube channels. And we are rebroadcast. Oh, wait. Let me turn the camera. Look what's going on. The cats are kissing each other. Tara! Francis! Show them your face. Francis! See? Love. Love is a many-splendored thing. Anyway, my name is Tara. Who cares? This is a weekday special. So it's all up in the air. It's what we want it to be. It's as long as we want it to be. It's as short as I want it to be. Okay? I'll show you my cats. We'll talk about things. We'll... We'll get together. We'll... Hey! Now they're fighting. Come on! Let's see. Wait a minute. I can't see. Hold on. See? Hey! Get over here. Tara Jr., come here. <laughs> what the fuck? Stop it! All right. Nobody listens to me. Guys, yes, this is a show, I guess. It's as good as we got. This is the liberal media looking at it. We meet here every Saturday evening. Let's pretend that just the show just started, if I have to cut that out, on the because I will upload the podcast, and people will be like, what the hell are we looking at? Okay, we meet here every Saturday evening from 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern at the RDT Daily Facebook and YouTube channels, and then we meet during the week as well, and I promised that I was going to do a weekday special on Thursday. We did one on Tuesday. Usually, it's it's up in the air, okay? So don't get used to a Thursday or a Wednesday or a Tuesday even. So we have to really play it by ear. But I promised Patricia that I would have a podcast on Thursday. So here I am, and hopefully she'll show up. And maybe not. If she doesn't, that's on her. That's all. It's all good. Oh, thank you, Jim, for the super chat. Who is, uh, let's see, who else is here? Tamara, Jim, Greg. Hi, guys. Oh, I like that. Greg says he's been waiting for hours. That's great. Deborah, wonderful. Yeah, um, and Daniel, of course. Yeah, it's been a rough week. So this is kind of, it is therapy. It's group therapy. And... We need it. And Bill, I'm sorry. I see you there, Bill. And Mark. Guys, so many people showing up, and I like it. I don't see the Facebook chat. If you guys are on Facebook, try to come over to YouTube, because that's the chat that I'm listening or, or watching and monitoring for the most part. And you can also give a super chat if you are so inclined, because... If you believe in the real liberal media, you're looking at it, unfortunately, right? This is it. We only have each other. 
because this country okay let's see what was i going to talk about today so we have a coronavirus it's really annoying um welcome martin uh, since you just arrived i want to say welcome because i welcomed everyone else um everybody else you got to welcome them because i got to pay attention to what i'm talking about now so all right and i'll welcome you i will welcome you i'll get around to uh, looking at the chat but let me get my head on the head in the game is uh i'm not uh focused because i'm reading the chats like greg just wrote i clipped your last podcast on my facebook page and commented, please go to Patreon and donate to Tarabus. So thank you. I really appreciate that. That's how we're going to get the show to be a daily show. It will. Eventually, I believe that. Because the numbers are going in the right direction. Not that we have a lot of us. But we're... The more that more we do the clips, the more that people talk about the show, the more um, we attract other viewers and listeners and we will be a contender in the liberal media landscape which is quite narrow as you know so we only have each other this is true viewer supported and it's like uh, a therapy session it really is i used to call it the therapy hour for the resistance now it's two hours or more during the week i try to and it's not it's not like um you know i i I don't need you guys. It's I want to do the show. I want to do the show more often. And I wish we could. Because that's what this emergency calls for. And I'm not just talking about the coronavirus. I'm talking about the fascist. The fascism that it has infested the United States. We have... We've, we've lived in the aftermath of Reaganomics. And in the consequences of the right-wing corporate the kiss-up kick-down corporate government a bought and paid for a government that we have to live in the consequences of it they don't live in the consequences we're f feeling the consequences now we're seeing it the failure of a greed-centered system there are more things involved in building a civilization than the stock prices of someone's portfolio in the 1% or even your 401k. That whole 401k bullshit is bullshit because we used to have guaranteed pensions. I know that the Republicans all like to talk about, remember how it used to be, like Trump talks about the Oscars. Oh, it used to be the Oscars weren't uh, they were in English the the best picture or whatever was in English now there's a Korean film or something I didn't, I didn't see the movie so that uh, subtitles what a disgrace it used to be better make America great again remember how it used to be they're they're not talking about the bygone days of the top marginal tax rate of ninety percent of the thirty five percent unionization of the strong trade and tariff laws that protected American manufacturing and built a middle class. They're not talking about that. They're talking about the strict racial hierarchies. That's what they, what they long for. And, the, and gender. 
and gender norms where you could pinch somebody's ass, where you could... I mean, my aunt tells me she used to work in the uh, Madman era. During the Madman era, she worked on uh, Madison Avenue in an advertising agency, and she was a secretary. And she said that, I don't have to watch Madman, I live Madman. And she told me that they had law, well, not laws, well, the company had rules. The men could smoke, but the women couldn't. There were all different rules that women had to look a certain way, dress a certain way. And the men were obviously and overtly harassing women. And that's what they thought. There was that, that was just another day in the office. And of course... When you're legislating, when you have uh, not just, I mean, obviously I'm saying legislating, it's a company, company rules where you could tell one segment of your employee, employees how they behave. And, and at the time, smoking was, everybody smoked. Not that I, I don't smoke now. I hope you don't smoke because we need you. And if you're a smoker, stop smoking now. Do something about it. Get Chantex. Try to help yourself because we need everyone healthy and ready for the fight because we got a long road ahead of us. Oh, and thank you, Mark C. I'm looking now for your very generous super chat. Independent media is the only defense from fascism now. It is, and that's why I hope that they don't shut us down. We were in... um, YouTube jail for a week because we simulcast, not simulcast, we had a, um, what do you call it, a watch party for the Democratic debate. That tells you all you need to know, that CBS owns democracy, and I don't want to get into it again because there are plenty of videos of me railing about it, but they could do that quite easily again, and we really are at their mercy, only until we get big enough, where when I make a noise about something, about them shutting us down, that people hear about it. It's not just me. It's not that I have to call up, like, uh, this to, briefly, for those who don't know, um, we were shut down, we were in YouTube jail, but that had happened once before. I wasn't in YouTube jail, but they took down videos that I made. It was Mike Malloy interviewing Dennis Kucinich, and... They were attacked by right-wingers who, who um, you could label them offensive or whatever. So the algorithm, I guess, got triggered and the videos disappeared. And they wouldn't put them. And they said, after a manual review, we have decided that they are against community standards. The, a video of Mike Malloy sitting there with Dennis Kucinich, a representative in the Congress talking about health care. That's a violation of community standards after a manual review, supposedly, according to YouTube. And I called up Dennis Kucinich's press secretary because he was in the video. But, you know, I don't have a press secretary. I don't have any power now to call anybody to say to YouTube, um, you, are you serious? After manual review, you still put this channel in jail for doing a Democratic debate watch party, something we have done for every other Democratic debate. So, but the more, and the long, the, or the short story of the Dennis Kucinich episode is that they put the videos back up after Dennis Kucinich's people 
talk to them, but not us. But that so says that just says everything that we need to know. The United States of Serfs and Lords. Yeah, but what is copyrighted? I'm looking on the the um, on the my restream t- chat. I could see some Periscope chats. Yes, basically copyright infringement. That's what they said about the Democratic debate. But we had done Democratic debate watch parties for every other Democratic debate and other things involving what else have we done we did did, was it the democratic debate there was something else we did that was a watch party anyway i can't remember but they uh it's give me a break the fucking cbs owns the democratic debate it's copyright infringement for the american people to get together and watch and sit and watch the goddamn democratic debate together i don't i don't know to me who who is CBS to own the the democratic debate the whole thing is offensive and it's uh, chilling to free speech frankly but we w- we already went through that i don't want to get into the same thing because i railed about it for for a few shows and uh, i wasn't the only one apparently david packman got dinged as well and he has a lawyer though I don't have a lawyer. We don't have a lawyer here. We don't make enough money to hire a lawyer. I wish I had a lawyer. I would. That's what you need, though. You need somebody to go in there and pop them on the nose. You know what I mean? You need someone in your corner. That's what government is supposed to do. Ideally, for us, the, the, little, the little guy, the sheeples, that is the whole purpose of government. We band together as a community and say these are the standards that we will accept. It shouldn't just be our lords who, who play with us like nothing but pawns on their little chessboards. That's the f- system the founders fought a revolution to escape. So... We, the people, everyone, are supposed to have a seat at the table. We're supposed to have a say. We're supposed to not be, you know, but we're supposed to be considered in the conversation. Not just how will this affect someone's bottom line. That's why health care should be a right. That's why education, higher education, should be a right that we all pay for. So when Bernie says... We want free health care or free higher education for everyone. And the right-wingers say, well, nothing's free. We all have to pay for it. Our taxes go up. Of course it's not all free. It's, it's an investment. Aren't you tired of, spending, uh, of paying your taxes? We pay high taxes. The, the, there are, I, I'm trying to remember now, I think it's in Denmark, what's the tax rate in some of these countries? Our tax rate is around 35% for, the, for average people. We pay more than those who make a living by cashing checks, dividend checks. But in other countries, they pay a slightly higher tax rate and they get services for, for their investment. And when we're paying our taxes and sending people to school, it's, they've done studies on this as well. After the GI Bill, we sent a generation of, sol- of service members who came back home alive 
unlike m millions of others who, who gave their lives, who left their life, well, how many people? 500,000 Americans died in uh, World War II, something like that. Maybe it was less. Getting my stats mixed up tonight. But I know it was, how many altogether died in World War II? Million, I think it was 50 million, right? 50 million all over the world. Those 50 million died to, to eradicate fascism, ultimately. And, but, but the point is, when you pay your taxes and you get something, you get a return on an investment by sending people to school, it's not just, I don't want to pay for rich kids to go to school, or why should I pay for somebody else to go to school? It's because we're living in a society. And if this co coronavirus doesn't highlight the fact that we are in this together. I don't know what does. Frankly, the coronavirus, I wish, would only target those who, who goddamn deserve it, who maybe can learn a lesson to be like, holy shit, I was wrong all this while. You know how Republicans only see the light when something affects them directly? Like, um... Joe Scarborough, oh, he's all about diabetes now. He, I, I, I am offended that uh, he doesn't even say that. He'll, he makes, he has this faux concern publicly about the the rapacious prices of uh, of diabet of um, insulin. Why can't I talk tonight? I don't know. It'll come to me. And that's only because he's, oh, well, my son is a diabetic. This is how the Republicans always have to frame something. If they care about something, they have to say, oh, well, um, that's because my granny and my grandpappy, my mommy, my daddy, my sister, myself, somebody in my personal sphere is affected somehow, or me, myself, and I, uh, because that's the way they think. Selfishness. That's the only American value. Greed is, they, sh they need to replace e pluribus unum with I got mine, Jack. They really do. Because it's not e pluribus unum out of many one. It's I got mine. I got mine, son, or something like that. Out of, forget out of many one. I got mine, son. Sucks to be you. Better, better luck next time. And then, until you see what happens now with the coronavirus, they all, everyone, left or right, they're talking about, oh, well, what's going on? Well, how is government going to respond? Of course, well, I thought you hated government, Republicans. Government can do nothing. Government is the problem. It's not the solution. And this is partly why this filthy fascist Republican government they're sitting back. They're oh, um, what is Trump saying? We um, our numbers are low. We want to keep the numbers low because it's not about who really has the virus, who can be protected against the virus. If you have a, if you have a, the information, you can act accordingly. They're not testing people because they don't want to up the numbers. Just like he doesn't want those people coming off the cruise ship. I don't know if I, did I play that video? He was, oh, I just don't like the numbers because it looks bad. It's numbers. It's a numbers game to him. He, he needs everybody to know. 
It's a coronavirus. It was made in China, not made in Mar-a-Lago. Like that fucking matters? Made in China. Well, guess what? The coronavirus doesn't know the difference between your fat orange gullet and uh, someone who's normal and nice and decent and deserves a decent life, unlike you. So, Twitler, where is he? Oh, here it is. My uncle is a great person. He was at MIT. He taught at MIT for, I think, like a record number of years. He was a great super genius, Dr. John Trump. I like this stuff. I really get it. People are surprised that I understand it. Anybody that wants a test. Yeah, we were surprised. Can you hear this? Is this too low? I, the people are surprised that I get it. No, they're not. Su- they're surprised. Yeah, you get it? Jo- Dr. John Trump. It's not passed down her- uh, through uh, your DNA. Me- uh, someone's medical degree. Oh, he's a, he was like a super genius. My uncle. I think like a record number of years. And first of all, look at him. For those who can see, I'm sorry for those who are on the podcast. Trump is looking gigantic. He clearly is an addict. And I know that that uh, there there's this comedian says that Trump, everybody knew that Trump is a drug addict. And he snorted Adderall, and he's he had drug dealers coming to the set of The Apprentice. He takes, of course he does, anything. You know, he needs an edge. Is Trump on drugs? The constant sniffing, the, I mean, look at him. Let me just show you. My screen. There's a picture of Trump. Of course, look at the screen I'm looking at. Look at all this shit. (laughs) That's why I'm always like, where's this article? Where's that article? There's a lot of stuff going on. Let me isolate this. If I can. Google Chrome. Here we go. Is Donald Trump on drugs? That's the wrong question. Adderall rumors, but amphetamines can't quite explain Trump or America. Who is this comedian, though? Let me see. There's a comedian. And this is why I need a producer. This is why I ask you to please become a patron. Because maybe one day we can hire somebody to look these goddamn these links up these do some research comedian trump let's see says drug addict hold on talk amongst yourself how do you spell apprentice <laughs> doesn't matter they'll spell it for me yes don well tom arnold claims trump trump snorted adderall on the apprentice yeah, this is the one I was thinking of. Noel Castor accuses Donald Trump. This is from People. Accuses Donald Trump of junk, drug use and inappropriate behavior. What a surprise. 
No thanks. Let's see what he says. Your next comedian coming to the stage very um, I know that joke's not that funny, but I just wanted to say it. I live with my girlfriend. Everything's wonderful, except she's always buying new furniture. Problem is, she never gets That's where no she goes. Every night I come home, the hallways of my building smell like Willie Nelson's tour bus. In my day, I, I thought he was going to talk Rosa, about Rosa, Melania. Here we go. Production in the talent departments, taking care of all the performers. It's kind of like herding cats, if cats had publicists and massive egos. I did six seasons of the Celebrity Apprentice finale. Oh, yeah, you can see where this is going. My job was taking care of the Trump family, too. Yeah, Don Jr., Omarosa, Melania. It was like a freaking Mensa meeting every day. I worked on a bunch of those beauty pageants he had in the 90s, too. That was a good idea. Miss Teen Universe? Yeah, that's like giving Jeffrey Dahmer a cooking show. <laughs> yeah, you got that one. Took a minute, but yeah, yeah. He would line up the girls on the side of the stage and he would inspect them, literally. He'd stick his little freaking doll fingers in their mouth and look at their teeth. So, not even kidding. This is true. He'd line them up like they were pieces of meat. He'd be like, you, you, and you. If you want to win, I'm in the penthouse suite. Come and see me. Wow. Yep. If Trump had a cooking show, they'd call it the douchebag diet. <laughs> McDonald's, chocolate ice cream, and girls that look like Ivanka are all he ever eats. Ew. I really like you guys now. Right, that's, that's my favorite sniffs it because he can't read so he gets really nervous when he has to read cue cards i'm not kidding this is true i had a 24 page nda non-disclosure agreement i didn't know then he was becoming president now it's no way dumbass i'm telling you everything i know <laughs> so he gets nervous and he crushes up these pills that's why he's sniffing when you see him in debates and when you see him reading it's why he's tweeting you know he's like he's out of his mind it makes sense if you think about it. Methamphetamine was invented by the Nazis to keep the fighter pilots up all night on bombing runs, right? So it makes sense that Trump would use it to hate tweet and the self-centered rage at 4 a.m. on the toilet. Right. I'm gonna leave you with this. My favorite thing so far in the Trump era is when James Comey had to go to the White House and tell him about this dossier and the existence of a videotape of Trump taking a couple of showers with some Russian working girls. And it was Trump, right? So of course they had to be golden. All right, take a second. Trump says to Comey, do I look like the kind of guy that needs to pay for prostitutes? Um, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, you look exactly like that kind of guy. You actually look more like that kind of guy than anyone who's ever lived. They're actually changing the nickname for guys like that from Johns to Dons. You guys have been great. Thank you. All right. I'm looking at the chat again. Let me see. What did you say? Because as, as that was playing, I was looking at the chat. And you said you posted. This is from Greg. I posted something on Facebook that Tara said here in her last podcast about Uncle Joe and it got a couple of people upset with me and well that's to be expected I'm getting a lot of people upset with me as well talking about Joe Biden they're saying you're going to get him um, get you're you're the reason why Trump is going to be reelected I've been hearing that me I'm the reason not that 
the Democratic National Committee is the reason for pushing this clearly unqualified. Well, I mean, he's qualified. He's qualified. If you're a corporate lickspittle and you like the, the, the society that made Twitler possible, if you're a Stockholm Syndrome suffering uh, surf, you're not really a dupe. You're fine with your serfdom. You think that it's normal that the American people have to beg on GoFundMe for health care. You don't think that it's a crisis when half the American people can't handle a $400 emergency. All of these statistics that I repeat on the show, because they need to get into the public consciousness. We need to get to the point where we understand that these are the signs of failure. It's not the stock market. It's not your 401k because everything is temporary when it comes to that. We need government, that's we the people, the e pluribus unum part, to work for all. We, that's the point of government, to get together and create a society that works for more than just the 1%. And the way that the fascists, the right-wingers, and the DLC corporate Dems have constructed government is that it works for the, those at the top and keeps everyone in their place. That's another reason government existed for millennia. For the majority of Western civilization, the government has existed to make the rich richer and to keep the people in their place, to keep them from rising up against their oppressors, to keep them stupid and working and toiling in the field without any recourse or, or, or any respite. Forget about a retirement. Your retirement comes in heaven. That's what they're re- rebuilding here. And that's what they're doing with the, a government that works for nobody but the 1%. That's not okay. This, this is why a show like this exists, a show like Mike Malloy's, Bob Kincaid's, the real liberal media. We exist to get the word out that it doesn't have to be that way. This is not the way it was, it's supposed to be. And all that time that you're, that the, even the Trump Z's are longing for, the ones that, when they're talking about the make America great, what are they talking about? We know they're talking about the strict racial hierarchies and gender norms or whatever, but they long for a time when, when was America great? When we had a 35% unionization, right? When we had a, uh, the the working class had a seat at the table when we were when we understood that a middle class life was our birthright and we understood there was a point that the american people many of the american people not all it's never all but they understood who their oppressors were that they're not they didn't go around saying i'm a capitalist could you imagine if we went back in time in a time machine and we talk to a regular, average, working stiff, toiling away in Daniel, in, um, in Carnegie's, is this Daniel? You know, uh, Carnegie's uh, steel mills, where you were lucky to hit age 50, 
I almost said Dale Carnegie because that's that guy that's uh, the win friends people <laughs> and influence or something. But it's not Dale Carnegie. It's uh, what's Carnegie's name? Anyway, it doesn't matter. So many names to remember. But anyway, if we went back in time and could interview one of the unfortunate workers who gave their life, they, they lived in company dorms and they toiled in such unhealthy working conditions that people would be injured and killed at, uh, on a daily basis. And you were lucky if you made it to 50. There was no retirement. Retirement was the graveyard. And you said to them, well, what do you think? Are you a capitalist? What do you think they would say? Oh, yeah, I'm a capitalist. We don't want socialism here. That's how deluded this country is. Maybe we haven't been beaten down enough. We obviously haven't because there are still laws in place, laws that working people fought, bled, and died to create, to make sure that that government had a li- that worked a little bit for the working class but people had to die to get there f- for the 8 hour workday they that didn't come about because some billionaire felt like trickling it on us that came about because literally women were jumping to their deaths rather than burn alive in the triangle shirtwaist factory fire in New York City and people had had enough but there was for, for, for decades, there were marches, labor strikes, and I mean, it's not just, um, I hope when we all listen to Rick Smith's labor history in two, that, you know, we're paying attention. But the history of the labor movement in this country needs to uh, be part of our consciousness if we ever want to get it back, because I don't understand how any working person, how you will have someone who drives an Uber going around saying, we don't want, to, we don't want socialism here. You'll, you'll have somebody who's literally on Social Security disability benefits. That's the only thing keeping a roof over their heads, listening to Rush Limbaugh and saying, I hate socialism. Socialism. I can't talk. I hate socialism. I am a capitalist. They'll they'll proclaim themselves capitalists. I I'm thinking of this one person in particular that I know, who I know him from. I mean, you know that I'm uh, in recovery. I know him from the community of recovering people. Let's put it that way. And he's somebody. He doesn't. He's not listening to this show, but he's a right winger. And he's got HIV. He's HIV positive. And he's on Medicaid. He's on disability. And I've, I never, I, I swear to God, I'm, in a, I'm listening to him talk. And I can't believe what comes out of his mouth sometimes. He'll, he'll talk about these goddamn liberal politicians. Or he'll always something about liberals and socialists and... So, and I'm, I, I just want to say to this man, how fucking deluded are you? Do you understand that you would be dead without the liberals who put their asses on the line for you, who, were, who many died for this guy so he, he could have medical care? He's on effing Medicaid. That's what, we're keeping him alive. Me and you, our tax dollars. 
I don't have a problem with that. But please, by all means, at least have the goddamn manners and maturity to say thank you. Don't walk, don't walk around and do everything that you can to make sure that somebody else doesn't have the same opportunity as you. Someone else coming behind you because you're voting for the politicians who are cutting their lifeline, the same lifeline that is keeping you alive. It's unbelievable. I'm not even kidding. This is a real human being that I know firsthand. Think about that. Someone who's an addict in recovery, that's how he got the virus, HIV positive. He's living alive. Obviously, he's living alive, duh. He's born to be alive, like the song says. But he's alive because of the medicine that we pay for, me and you. Because he's on disability. And he gets Medicaid. And he's one of the most rabid right-wingers I've ever encountered. But also living proof that propaganda works. It's, it's shocking. I, 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 you just assume that people would have more self-awareness. But then the shit that comes out of his mouth, I can't even believe it. Right-wing lies. I don't know. Maybe it's some um, level of denial where you, if you really took a look at yourself and you thought that, uh, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I'm trying to psychoanalyze it here. Where, and because I've had a lot of therapy, so I'm kind of like, I'm a, an armchair therapist, so... But it's, it definitely is denial, and, may, and I'm sure a hell of a lot of self-loathing as well, where you can identify with people who are just like you. It's almost like that uh, Aaron Schlock guy, or Alan, or whatever we were talking about the other day, the gay, anti-gay Republican, you know, set your clocks again. Another anti-gay Republican is, uh, comes out as being gay. He wasn't caught in the act of being himself. He didn't have to catch himself. We didn't have to catch him. He was right out in the open. He might as well have been uh, the grand marshal of the gay pride parade. That's how gay he was to everyone with eyes. But, yeah, it's unbelievable. It's mentally ill. And also, this is the same guy who goes around saying, I'm a capitalist. You're a capitalist? You're on the public dole. Where's your gratitude? That's what pisses me off the most. It's not just the the ingratitude. It's the lack of self-awareness. That absolute... And it is ingratitude because it's you're, you have absolutely no gra- gratitude for people who went to jail so you can have that fucking right. So you could have some dignity... Just a modicum, a little tiny sliver of di- dignity because we have a long-ass way to go. You're goddamn lucky. And I only wish that if the Republicans get their wish and get to kick people off Social Security disability than it were, it's the, it's the ones who are helping them, enabling them. They're the ones who, they're the only ones who feel the sting of the 
policies that they support, but they won't. Unfortunately, they'll bring all the normal people with them too. And that's why I call them, I call this, you know, I call conservatives that they're, I mean, well, I call liberals normal people and conservatives, you know, conservatives, it's, it's really a battle between conservatives and normal people. You don't necessarily have to be a liberal. You don't have to be, you know, you could just be a DLC Democrat. I mean, you're more normal. The DLCers are another, they're another uh, level of denial, I believe, as well. And partly why we're in this boat. But I guess we all have blind spots. I, I'm sure I do. I know I do. I hope you could point them out to me. I mean, if within a, within a nice way. I don't know. But, um, yeah. And I would hope that other people could point out the blind spots in others. But we know the, the stats on, um, as far as public assistance goes with these conservatives... Uh, and many of the very conservatives who are decrying the welfare queens and all that, they're the ones. They, they're the ones who are partaking in the social safety net. And I remember there was this article, now that I'm saying this, uh, in the New York Times. Let me see if I can find it. New York Times. I'm sure it's going to be a hard one to find because it's, it's a few years old. I think it was during Obama. Um, after the financial crisis, after b- right when Obama was elected, safety net rely. I think it was something like even people who rely on the safety net decry it or something like that. Rely on safety net. I'm just googling it. Uh. And I've seen so many uh, these little, um, you know, like news pieces uh, about people. They, they always have to check in with the Trump support. Oh, here it is. Jesus Christ. I found it right off the bat. Even critics of Safety Net increasingly depend on it. And I remember during Obama, after the financial crisis, after the second the near second Republican Great Depression, the Repu- Republican Great Recession, these, uh, you would hear, or you, even still you see this, everywhere you turn, whenever you, there has to be a periodic study on, on whatever, whatever corporate media channel you're watching about, what do Trump fans think of this? I, of course they don't talk about it like that. They say, what does the Trump voter think? Because they're never, come, they're never checking in with the normal people. We always have to hear what they think because that's how it, it amplifies their bullshit. It doesn't, the, the news isn't there to correct them too. This is the other thing that pisses me off because they say, well, what do you think? And they'll say, well, I believe that we, you know, whatever, some bullshit thing that I shouldn't have to pay for some rich kid to go to college or whatever. They'll, they'll spew some stupid Republican talking point and the news people will never correct them. They'll just say, this is what they think. 
they'll poll the the dum-dums and then we'll have a breakdown they'll have a round table of pundits discussing the poll but there'll never be an actual story about what bullshit they're buying how they'll say uh, i don't know like um that well i went i put myself through college why shouldn't the this generation not understanding that today's generation are coming out of college hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt well i didn't have to take out a loan i didn't have to take so much debt why should they they shouldn't have done it they shouldn't have taken the debt well this is the game this is the the society you left them by voting for republicans and the dlc democratic party to cut the legs out from under our youth when you went to college bubby it was fn 25 dollars a credit and you got a goddamn oh you what did you, what'd you do you had a you got your gi bill now we set ourselves up for failure what do you think is going to happen in a country where kids can't get established where they have hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt i know nyu someone i know who is uh is an adjunct junct professor at nyu and he said that the Tuition is around, around, and it's just ballparking it, $78,000 a semester. So who gets to go to school in that circumstance? If you're a regular average kid or from an average working class family, oh, well, unless you take out a loan, uh, which you'll find plenty of predatory lenders lining up and tripping over each other to do it. What do you do? This is what we're doing to our youth. So they get to come out of college with all of this debt. And they'll never get established. And then they'll have to drive their, th- their Ubers and their, run their DoorDash in between trying to find a real job. But th- we're not setting ourselves up for success that way. It's, not, it's really not fair. And what will also happen is that Education, once more, will be a providence of the rich, period. Just like in the, the old days of Western civilization, the good old days, not, not just rolling back the progressive era, not just rolling back the New Deal, rolling back, going past the Gilded Age, the first Gilded Age. We're going right back to the Dark Ages. That's where they're taking us. You think I'm being hyperbolic? No. I'm being Miss Cleo over here, a psychic friend. I could see the future. Because I, oh, you don't have to be a psychic to see the future. All you got to know is what actions we're taking today. What policies are we taking today? Every Republican and DLC Democratic Party establishment kiss-up, kick-down policy always comes back to roost they come and bite us in the ass always you could take that to the bank because what what are we making what what future are we cultivating for our young people when they're all indentured servants to banks when greed is the only value 
here's this article I was talking about. Even critics of the safety net increasingly depend on it. This was from in 2012 by Binyamin Applebaum and Robert Geb, Geblov, Gebelov in the New York Times. Key, go, okay, now I know. My voice is raspy. I've just been, I'm not sick or anything. I, you know me, I'm just screaming. Not that you can get the coronavirus through the, through the YouTubes or anything. But wash your hands and don't touch your face. That's, I actually, I saw someone on TED Talk today, some lady that was a doctor, a infectious, infectious disease expert. And that's what she said. Wash your hands. Even if you just wash your hands, wash your hands again. If you go into a meeting, wash your hands. When you come out of the meeting, wash your hands. And don't touch your face. If you come in from outside, wash your hands. Just keep washing your goddamn hands. My hands are friggin' raw. I'm washing them a lot. I hope I don't get it. Obviously, we don't. no one wants to get the damn virus. But I just don't want the expense. I don't want to... I don't want to pay a copay, a co-insurance. I had the flu last year, and it wasn't cheap. This is what I'm saying. This is why this country is headed for a fall. And it exposes the flaws, this coronavirus. But let me just finish with this first before we get on to that. So, Key Goldberg. I see. Why does this article have to start with a name I can't pronounce? Key Goldbergson. You guys are very um, understandable. That's why I appreciate you as well. You really understand that I can't talk sometimes. I can't say a lot of words. I appreciate that. Okay. Key, we'll call this person G. Okay, Mr. G. I'm not sure if it's a woman or a man, but Key, uh, K.I. Goldbernson owns a logo apparel shop. Deals in jewelry on the side and referees youth soccer games. He, okay, it's a he, makes about $39,000 a year and wants you to know that he does not need any help from the federal government. He says that too many Americans lean on taxpayers rather than living with, within their means. He supports politicians who promise to cut government spending. In 2010, he printed T-shirts for the Tea Party campaign of a neighbor, Chip Kavrak who ousted this region's long-serving Democratic congressman. Yet, this year, as in each of the past three years, Mr. Gulberson, Gulberson, 57, is counting on a payment of several thousand dollars from the federal government. Well, isn't that confusing? I thought he hated government. Oh, I'm sorry, honey. I just punched my cat in the face by accident. I didn't see he was jumping up. Tara Jr. Jr. is here. All right. Say hello. <laughs> Say hello. You're good. All right. Let's see. Can you see him? All right. He can sit here and I'll read to you. Anyway, where is it? Yes. Yet this year, as in each of the past three years, Mr. Gulbernson, 57, is counting on a payment of several thousand dollars from the federal government. 
a subsidy for working families called the Earned Income Tax Credit. He has signed up his three school-aged children to eat free breakfast and lunch at federal expense. And Medicare pays for his mother, 88, to have her hip surgery twice. There is little poverty here in Chicago County, northeastern Minneapolis, where cheap housing for commuters is gradually replacing farmland. But Mr. Gulbertson and many, of, uh, and many other residents who describe themselves as self-sufficient members of the American middle class and opponents of government largesse are drawing me more deeply on that government with each passing year. Dozens of benefit programs provided an average of $6,583 for each man, woman, and child in, this count, in the county uh, in 2019. I mean, sorry, in 20, 2009. A 69% increase from 2000 after adjusting for inflation. In Chicago, Chicago, it's C-H-I-S-A-G-O. She, is that how you pronounce it? She's, I don't know. And across the nation, the government now provides almost $1 in benefits for every $4 in other income. Carrot's here. Look at him. Look at him. Look at this cat holding my hand. That's what he does. He puts his hand on my hand. And together, we will take on the world. That's what we do here. We put our hands, put your hand in the hand of the Tarabuster community. We're in this together. All right. Older people get most, be- most of the benefits, primarily through Social Security and Medicare, but aid for the rest of the population has increased about as quickly through programs for the disabled, the unemployed, veterans, and children. The government safety net was created to keep Americans from abject poverty, but the poorest households no longer receive a majority of government benefits. A secondary mission has gradually become primary, maintaining the middle class from childhood through retirement. The share of benefits flowing to the least affluent households, the bottom fifth, has declined from 54% in 1979 to 36% in 2007, according to the Congressional Budget Office. And as more middle-class families like the Gulbertsons land in, land in the safety net and similar communities, anger at the government has increased. <laughs> Can you believe it? Many people say they are angry because the government is wasting money and giving money to people who don't deserve it. But more than that, they say they want to reduce the role of government in their own lives. Because they've been listening to Rush Limbaugh and Republicans say government is the problem. The age of big government is, is over. Remember when Bill Clinton say that? When they say they hate government. I want you to remember this. I'm going to translate it. When Republicans say they hate government, what they mean is that they hate democracy. That's what they hate. And ultimately, they hate America, just like the way that the closeted gay Republican has to vote for all the anti-gay bills as a ruse to cover up their hatred. Republicans do the same thing with their humping flags 
and proclaiming their patriotism, on, wearing it on their shoulder constantly because they hate America. It's the same dynamic. They need to compensate, overcompensate. That's why every time you, you see a conservative show, if you go on YouTube, I don't understand. You don't even have to know who is a conservative or not. Just go on YouTube or on Twitter, and you can scroll through people's avatars, and you'll see that if they're a conservative, there'll be flags everywhere, flags up the wazoo, eagles, stars, all kinds of America paraphernalia. But that's just them overcompensating for the obvious, which is that they hate America. And not only do they hate it, they are confused by it. Her. That's what they should say. Her. Her. They don't just hate America. They are confused by her because they don't understand. They have the, they lack the mental, not just the mental, but the moral maturity to function in the type of free democratic society that they only pretend to love. That's why they're constantly attacking everything that is decent about America, the nation of immigrants, our diversity, our uh, adherence to the Constitution and laws. You know, they always say, oh, I'm a constitutionalist. I'm a strict constitutionalist. No, you're not. What they are are they are anachronisms. Go they they're trying to go back to the time that the in the that the founders escaped. Basically, they want where the rich ran everything and everybody else knew their place. They don't like the Constitution. That's why they're constantly manipulating it to fit into their ideology. When they say I'm a uh, I'm a uh, well, I'm an originalist. I interpret the Constitution in an originalist. What the hell is an originalist? It means that they have found another way to fit their their anti-American ideology into the veneer of legitimacy by doing everything they can to drag us back to the Dark Ages. And that's really it is, that's the truth. When you see. Uh, someone with flags all over themselves when Trump's up there on a stage humping a flag. Uh, Why else is he humping a flag? And then the Stephanie Grisham, the White House press secretary who never has a press conference, she tweets out, oh, President Trump really cares about us. She tweets the picture of Trump humping the flag. This is what it means to care about your people, that you hump a flag? But when they're in danger of dying without health care, eh, I don't like those numbers. We want to keep those numbers down. Let's have a meeting about the coronavirus, but let's make it classified so we can't do anything about it. So people don't have the actual information that they need to defend themselves against the virus. Let's not put those tests out there because the more people who are tested, the higher the numbers will go. And that, I, I don't like those numbers. And as you see in all of the things that the effing Trump debacle administration is putting out, they all have to begin, like they begin every cabinet meeting, with a circle jerk of accolades 
for this tax-cheating, draft-dodging, dictator-envying con man with a fake university and a vitamin scam who received fewer votes because that's all that matters. It's all about the outside. It's North Korea come to America. That's why Trump loves Kim Jong-un. He's a real smart cookie. Writes love letters to a brutal dictator who kills Americans because he envies that kind of power where you don't have to you don't have to deal with a pesky Nancy Pelosi or a democracy or anybody challenging your power. You could pass on your power to your undeserving asshole sons and they can keep the grift going because that's the only reason he's in he's in government. He's not in government because he cares. He's in government to be, well, because he's somebody, because Obama made fun of him, that's it, and he, he wanted to show everybody. Nobody's ever liked him, the real insiders, the real movers and shakers in, in business. No, he's a con man and a joke. If he wasn't a con man and a joke, then the people who are business men and women would treat him like uh, you know, with the respect that he earned. The only people that treat him like he's a businessman are the assholes, are the dumbasses. The ones who are duped. So that's when Trump is humping a flag, think of it like you think about the closet case, the, the anti-gay Republican who is voting against everyone like him, who's voting all uh, anti-gay measures. It's the same thing. They're trying to get people off the scent. See, look, look at me. If I masturbate into this flag, everyone will be, be fooled just how much I hate this country. They hate it because they're confused by it. They hate it because it stands in the way of their unbridled power. They don't like it. That's why they are dismantling it. And make no mistake, do you think a government that representatives, that so-called representatives who loved America, would be representing a government that has, uh, that gives no consideration to the wants and needs to the people who sent them to government you know what i mean it's if if they loved democracy and loved this uh the government then it would function the wants and needs of people would not be the least consideration it wouldn't be oh the stock market we would have universal health care already we would already have universal higher education we would have living wages we wouldn't have to be begging our betters for a trickle we wouldn't be under the thumb and we wouldn't be in a propaganda loop from the left and the right on a corporate media that does nothing but espouse the interests of the of the owners the working class i mean the uh, the owner the donor class that's what i was trying to get to the donor class what kind of shit is that? If we had a government w- where representatives th- who are so-called representatives 
if they loved it, if they loved America, this wouldn't be happening. We wouldn't have a donor class. We wouldn't have a Supreme Court that does nothing but stand in the way of the American people. They wouldn't be voting right-to-work laws. What kind of shit is that? If they love democracy, you think they would stop democracy in the workplace? Because that's what unions are. But what do Republicans do? They hate unions. They bust unions. They don't like when little people, the peons, get uppity. So when I, I hear a dumbass who's on Medicaid and Social Security proclaiming himself, himself a capitalist and decrying and the, those, those damn liberals, I want to vomit. And I say, this is exactly why they owned the avenues of information. Because propaganda works. And l- there you go. Living proof. So if they hate, you know, when they say that they love America, remember what I tell you. What they, I mean, when they say that they hate government, remember what, they really, what they're really saying is that they hate democracy. And when they say government is the problem, that's the government that all those veterans that they supposedly love, all of those Americans who gave their last measure of devotion for this thing, that's what they supposedly died to, to entrust to us. So when they're jerking off into a flag, remember that they're, they're doing it like a, high, like a hooker puts on her high heel her high heel shoes and puts on her F me lipstick to get the Johns, to get the dupes, to attract, you know, the dumbasses. Oh, they, well, they must love America. Look at it. Look at it. He's jerking off into a flag. So let's pay no attention to the fact that the middle class is now 50% of the po- below 50% of the population. They love America, you see. And when this pandemic, I mean, it's unbelievable. I was just at the, um, I just went to the supermarket today. I couldn't believe it. I was, I actually went to the supermarket yesterday, and then I went back tonight because I forgot something, and it was pandemonium in the supermarket. I said, what the hell happened in one day? Did I miss something? Everybody's in there like it's, uh, you know, the last days of Pompeii. Buying everything up. I don't know. And I was like, should I be buying something up? I just went in there. I bought some paper towels. I bought some English muffins. I was like, should I be buying more shit than this? I don't know. (sighs) Yeah, fuck them all. Flag huggers. Dumbasses. The hateful dupes who decry liberalism while benefiting from every liberal policy that we fought, bled, and died to entrust to them, to give to them. They don't even, we're not entrusting it to them. They're glomming it up, these takers. That's a taker for you. They always talk about makers and takers. First of all, we're the take. I mean, we're the makers. We are. The working class. We make things. They take things. They take it all. They don't even leave us with crumbs. 
And now they're taking our lives. Forget our lives, fortunes, and sacred honor. Their greed is standing in the way of our health, the health of our country. These disgusting, greed-centered ghouls. You can't serve two masters. You can't serve the greed of your benefactors and the American people. Because look at what you've done. Now you have Americans who they can't take a day off. You're going to be sick. You can't take a sick day. If you're living check to check and you don't have any sick leave. The Republicans blocked the sick leave bill. Of course they did. You're supposed to die. You're not supposed to get sick. And if you get sick, die quickly. That's the Republican health care plan. But I didn't want to get into that yet. We will. So many things to talk about. How's everybody doing? I haven't checked in on the chat. Hi, everyone. What's Francis doing over there? Hi. Oh, he's he's chewing on his own feet. (laughs) He's a cutie. Let me see. Francis. Look at his feet. Anyway. See, I pushed, I had all those papers on the table there. And I said, let me push them down so they don't look messy. But now I'm showing you my apartment. Look at this. You can see where I live. I just wanted you to see Francis eating his own feet. Because at least that's in the world. At least Francis is in the world, right? Francis, come here, boo-boo. Come here. He don't listen to me. He's not like Tara Jr. But anyway, where is this article? Okay. Oh, yes. The expansion of government benefits has has become an issue in the presidential campaign. Rick Santorum, remember this? Who won 57% of the vote in Shishk... Chisago, Chisago County in the Republican presidential caucuses last week has warned of the narcotic of government dependency. Fuck you, you filthy ghoul. Talk about a narcotic. This is a guy that has done nothing but suck on the government teat his entire life. Somebody, what a useless human Oh, I don't even want to say. He's not human. What, what kind of human gets power and uses it to ensure that other human beings don't have it as good as you? Have it worse. Die. How could they live? Really? I don't understand how they sleep through the night. I guess there goes that denial again. How he calls himself a good person. They all have to think they're good people. And that reminds me, too, because I think I was telling you once before, I read this book called Ordinary Men. It was written by Christopher Browning. He was, he's the guy that said that Mitch McConnell, he labeled Mitch, he's a World War II historian who labeled Mitch McConnell, the grave digger of American democracy. And he said that it hit, for future generations will look back 
on the decline of the American Republic and Mitch McConnell will take, will, they will ascribe the responsibility for its destruction squarely at his doorstep. Just like Germany had Hindenburg, we have Mitch McConnell. Anyway, he wrote a book, Ordinary Men, and it was about the Polish reserve police officers who were charged by the Nazis. These weren't Nazis. They weren't in the Nazi party, but they were given orders by the Nazis when the Nazis invaded Poland to get rid of their Jewish neighbors. So they had to round up their friends, their family, well, not, maybe not family, well, friends and neighbors at least, and they committed mass murder, mass murder by day, at night, they would go out drinking, and the, this, um, the book was, was about uh, aptly titled Ordinary Men because these weren't any uh, ideologues. They weren't any Nazis by any stretch of the imagination. These were men who found themselves in circumstances where they were justifying committing atrocities. Against, uh, against people who weeks earlier had been their fellow countrymen. And some of the stories in that book, and it's, it's a story to us, but this is a life. That's a life. It really happened. And I remember one of the stories, which is sickening, of one of the police officers killing a mother and there was an infant, and then he said, oh, well, I got to kill the infant now because the infant can't grow up without a mother. So he killed the infant, too. And they justified it. And in this book, Christopher Browning wrote about the Nazis as well and these ordinary men who weren't Nazis, but what they all justified their actions. Um, they all thought they were good people. They all thought, not just that they were following orders, but that they were doing their patriotic duty to their country. So it wasn't that they were committing atrocities. They were fighting for their country. They were ridding their country of a problem. And any, anybody can, I mean, I don't know, not anybody, not everybody, as we know, would be uh would be able to to justify that but we see that don't ever ask now that we we're living in the trump era when we always say it can't we can't, it can't happen here it could certainly happen here and when you read stories about the ins agents at the border the way they treat the de detained migrants and the detained asylum seekers treating them less than human, like that kid who had the flu and died, because they just don't give a shit. They're not even giving flu shots, these people. F forget the coronavirus. They're not, they're not handling it. And they, they, that kid who died of the flu in, in INS custody was, there was, it was unnecessary. He's a young person, but they put him in a room and left him there with someone else and didn't even check on him. A sick person, they didn't get him the help he needed because he's 
too much of a bother, I guess. And anyway, it's really dis- disgusting. So I asked, what was the question? How could Rick Santorum, I guess Rick Santorum thinks he's a good person. I guess they all do. Maybe? I don't know. Does Mitch McConnell think he's a good person? I guess he does when he goes on Fox News and he gets Trump and uh, the propagandists on Fox News to all kiss his ass and tell him what a good job he's doing, making sure that Americans die without health care or ensuring that um, the American people remain 50, uh, the middle class remains less than 50% of the population, or the American people don't get too uppity thinking that they have the right to living wages or retirement security or any, I mean, pick anything. And really, this is how they do it in all, in all countries when they destroy a decent republic, a democratic republic, they do it exactly the way it's unfolding. People, the, the lines get crossed, and then there's a new line until you, you don't even know. The line of decency is so far back in the rearview mirror, you can't even recognize it anymore. And that's where we are. And believe me, you know how I feel. The Republicans are horrible. But the but what what are you gonna say? What is history? What are future generations gonna say about a democratic party that enabled it? Because they're complicit too. I'm sorry, the DLC Democratic Party. Now we're we're in the Democratic Party. We're the FDR Democrats. We're the real Democrats. The the Democrats who are capable of functioning in a free, diverse society that understand that we all deserve a seat at the table, that we'll fight for our fellow Americans. We won't leave people behind. We we won't meet billionaires in a wine cave and change our stance on the fundamental decency and morality of Medicare for All and start talking about Medicare for All who want it. Because you got yours. You got your political career to think of when the Americans are begging on GoFundMe for health care. And now there's a pandemic. Well, unfortunately, it's not a pandemic for all who want it. And that's why you need Medicare for all, period. Because it doesn't matter to the goddamn coronavirus Who's rich or who's poor? But if it did, it didn't. It would believe me. Oh my God! This this pandemic only exp- only sh- shines a light on the the corruption and the failure of the greed-centered insurance racket. What the hell? When I You see all these people getting sick. You'd think that the insurance racket would be dancing in the streets. Think about that. Oh, yay. Happy days are here again. We got the coronavirus. What? What? You mean free? We're going to have to... What? Oh, because the, the, the filthy, rapacious, disgusting 
the health insurance racket. So I think Trump said something about, oh, uh, don't worry, it's going to be free. And then what, it, what happened? Let me see. The, I had the article up, of course. It said, oh, no, no. It's uh, the insurance lobby had to pipe in and say, oh, no, 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 it's not free. No, well, we meant the copay. The copay will be, we'll, we'll cut the copay. So that $10 or whatever that you got a copay or whatever it was, we'll, we'll cover it. Don't worry. But everything else is on the table. So don't, don't worry about it. You'll get those bills. But when you get the coronavirus, you're going to be like, oh, fuck. Um, should I get on the phone and bargain with the different hospitals and doctors? Hey, um, hey, doc, I'm a middle-aged woman. I got coronavirus. Um, you know, what can you do for me, doc? Uh, you know, uh, do I hear a, uh, a $1,000 deductible? Do I hear a $12,000 deductible? Let's, you know, going once, going twice. Who wants to bargain? That's the way it's supposed to be, the American way. Let's bargain for health care. You know, you, know, you know what you need. I don't want to be like, as Pete Buttigieg says, you should get the health care that you need, that you and your family need. Well, I guess what? I don't think I'll get the coronavirus. That settles it then. I guess I'll get the i'll make the choice you know medicare for all who want it i don't i guess i don't want it because i'm not gonna get sick right medicare for all who want it but that but that's what happened with the insurance racket they came out and they had to tell twitler oh no 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 not they didn't tell twitler but twit see this is the thing twitler will say whatever the fuck he wants to say He's a liar and a con man. So somebody said to me, actually, this woman that I know from the New York City feral cats, because I do that work with the cats, the feral cats. She's constantly texting me anyway, but she's texted me. I saw her because when I was feeding the cats, it's kind of annoying, too, because she's like, you sound nasal. Are you sick? Everybody's like, are you sick? You si you can't. I'm like, I'm not nasal. This is how I sound, bitch. So everyone's like, take, take, just stand away. Leave me alone. And then she texts me the next day. How you feeling? You sounded nasal. Fuck you. I sound nasal. This is how I sound. I'm not sick. For Christ's sakes. No. Oh, anyway. So, what was I saying? And then she texted me and was like, oh, I'm going to... I'm listening to the president in a few minutes. I want to hear what he has to say. I'm like, your funeral? Why, why bothering? Why are you bothering? He's a liar. He'll say whatever the hell he needs to say. That's just the way it is. He likes the numbers down. Why are you listening to a con man? So the, according to Common Dreams, I know I was listening. I mean, I, I know I was... Reading this other article that was from 2012, but the, the gist of the article was what we were saying. The people who were on the social safety net were, they were criticizing the social safety net. Where the fuck is it? Now I lost it. Let me see. You know what? I'm going to take a break. I need to get some more tea. I didn't prepare for a break, but I am going to... 
Whoops. John Trump. <laughs> Dr. John Trump has spoken. I am going to. Why do I keep doing that? I really get it. Anybody right now and yesterday, anybody that needs a test gets a test. We, they're there. They have the test. They have the test. And the tests are beautiful. The tests are all perfect. Like the letter is perfect. The transcription was perfect, right? This was not as perfect as that, but pretty good. Okay. I'm going to play an old what do you call it uh break so i can make some tea so it's just a couple of days old it's the green news report it's labor history and it's about eight minutes so i need some tea and we will be right back my name is tara devlin see you on the other side Now, the top of the hour on the Progressive Voices channel on TuneIn presents the Green News Report. For the first time in more than 240 days, there's no bushfires in New South Wales. Australia's record bushfires are finally out. As new study warns, they're going to get worse. Climate coverage by corporate news media still falling short. Tropical forests losing the ability to absorb carbon. Plus... February 2020 was the second hottest February on record. All of those stories and more straight ahead from Bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. And we have ended the war in American energy. It was a war. And we're up here and we're doing it. And for those of you that want to hear it. We don't. Thank you. Shut up. Please. This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, it seems like every month, month after month after month, you're telling us this has been the hottest month ever recorded. Yes, most of the time. But hey, February 2020 is bucking the trend. It was only the second warmest February <laughs> oh, there, well, there on go. record. I know. I feel better now. Yep. It was the second warmest February on record globally since record keeping began in the mid 1800s. That's according to the European Union's climate agency Copernicus. NASA and NOAA are likely to announce similar findings in coming weeks. Both the U.S. and Europe just saw their warmest winter on record. And because the second hottest February follows the hottest January on record. That puts 2020 on track to potentially be one of the top two hottest years ever recorded. And that is remarkable in a year without an El Nino to boost global temperatures. Mm. Well, it is remarkable. All we can do, I guess, is keep letting people know. Yep. But many Americans still do not hear much about climate change on the nightly news. According to a new analysis by Media Matters, corporate broadcast nightly news shows did increase their coverage of climate change by more than 60 percent from 2018 to 2019. That's good. Yes, that is good. But even with that improvement, the total broadcast news climate coverage amounted to less than one percent of their overall content. That's less than four hours total over the entire year. Well, it's not all that important, I guess. It's just the 
end of human civilization as we know it. Well, there is one bright spot. In 2019, PBS ran more segments on the climate crisis than ABC, CBS, and NBC combined. Because they are supported by viewers like you. And also the oil companies. In Australia, officials this week declared that devastating bushfires have finally been extinguished in New South Wales eight months after they started, killing dozens of people and causing billions in damages. So the bushfire season is now eight months long? Yes. This week, a new study by scientists with the World Weather Attribution Project confirmed that man-made global warming fueled Australia's record season. They concluded that climate change made Australia's devastating fire season at least 30% more likely, and they said that was a conservative estimate. They warned that the type of weather conditions that drive bushfires will continue to get worse as the planet warms unless society takes action to reduce emissions. CBS meteorologist Jeff Berardelli explains. We've already increased a degree since pre-industrial, a little bit more than that. If we see one more degree Celsius of warming, extreme fire weather like this season in Australia mm -hmm. will be four times more likely in the future. And we could see another degree of warming by 2050, so it's only three decades wow. away that it would be four times more likely uh, to see this kind of fire activity. Also not great news, tropical forests are losing their ability to absorb carbon. Intact tropical forests are a crucial carbon sink, removing carbon dioxide from the atmosphere. But researchers at the University of Leeds, tracking 300,000 trees over 30 years, found that the ability of tropical forests to absorb carbon emissions is now declining decades earlier than had been predicted due to higher temperatures and droughts, which can slow growth and kill trees. And as Tropical forests absorb less carbon than predicted. It will require reassessments of global carbon budgets and national emissions targets. Finally, a bit of good news. Wells Fargo Bank has become the third major U.S. bank to announce that it will stop financing new oil and gas projects in the Arctic, including the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge. Wells Fargo also said it will no longer back or facilitate transactions for mountaintop removal coal mining projects. Good. The bank joins Goldman Sachs and J.P. Morgan as the latest in an emerging global trend of banks declining to participate in the dirtiest fossil fuel projects and projects in fragile areas. Well, what took them so long? Yeah, I know. I should be glad they're doing it now, right? Right. For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to, please check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Don't forget you can download our reports anytime via Stitcher, TuneIn, iTunes, or Google Play. Find, follow, and share us planet-wide on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. And this has been your Green News Report. I'm Rick Smith, and this is Labor History in Two. On this day in labor history, the year was 1925. That was the day the first civil lawsuit for damages was filed on behalf of the Radium Girls. During the 1910s and 20s, radium was all the rage. It was considered a medical cure-all for everything from blindness to asthma. The U.S. Radium Corporation employed hundreds of young women in New Jersey and Illinois to paint radium onto watch dials and military instruments. Women workers were instructed to shape the paintbrushes to a fine point with their lips in order to paint the numbers onto the watch faces. They soon fell ill. Many complained of losing scores of teeth and shattered and rotting jaws. The death toll began to rise. 
U.S. Radium, and other related companies initially tried to smear the women as suffering from syphilis. Catherine Wiley of the New Jersey Consumers League began investigating the use of radium by dial painters. She was also concerned about how emissions affected the community surrounding the plant. Wiley enlisted the help of Alice Hamilton, mother of industrial medicine and occupational toxicology. The chief medical examiner of Essex County determined the women suffered from radium exposure. They were exhaling radon gas. The findings were earth-shattering for the industry. Case proceedings were highly publicized in the press. Extremely frail and sick young women appeared in court, barely able to walk or testify. The company agreed to settle the case. $10,000 for each woman, a $400 a year pension, and medical care. Women at the Ottawa plant suffered for years before finally learning the truth about their job-related illnesses. The case impacted fields related to occupational safety and health. It also fundamentally broadened scientific understanding of radioactive elements. Like what you hear? Check out more at laborhistoryin2.com. All right, we still here? Everybody still there? I'm going to take attendance. Hi, Patricia. Terry. Oh, yeah. You know what I have to do? I got to read the patron list. Thank you, Haiku, for reminding me. I haven't read the patron list in a while, and we've had, we have a few more patrons, so I really got to do that. So thank you. Guys, if you can, if you have the means, Please become a patron at patreon.com slash Tara Devlin and join these amazing compatriots who are keeping the show going. And we have a goal. It's not that we're keeping it going. We want to grow the show so we can become a daily show and we'll get together every day. Could you imagine how amazing that will be? Why not? We need to. That's the that's what this time in American history demands that we have a daily show. You can't do this part time. You can't phone it in. How are we ever going to get back a country that works for all if we have, you know, if we don't talk about it full time, talk about the liberal ideas that built the middle class to begin with. So. Here's the list of amazing human beings who make me want to get out of bed in the morning. Randall, number one on the list. Michael, Haiku, Shannon, Andrew, Max, John, Michael D, Paradu, Mark C, Michael C, Lord Wafflecat, Stephen K, Katie O, Jane C, Peter R, Susan S, Anthony S, Michael L D, Joey B, and his companion Jeffrey the Giraffe, Greg G, who is a new patron, welcome aboard, Tony, Tony S, Patricia, our wonderful Patricia, who phoned in the other day, Robert, David R, 
Antonia R., a new patron and friend, I can say. Thank you for all you do, and I enjoy getting your correspondence. Richard, Kathleen, Mary C., Mark F., Joan Z., Martin S., K., that's just K, like Cher, Deborah W., Cynthia, Dwayne, James S., another James S., Martin S., Jim A., Gail P., and Daniel S. These are the patrons. Then I get some amazing, and they are amazing, PayPal supporters. These were These are like the old school terror busters. If you can become a patron, please do, you guys, on the PayPal. But you can always do the PayPal, I guess, a one-off PayPal. So, Elizabeth, thank you, Elizabeth. Robert B., thank you. Jean L., who's a, ch a chat person that we see, that one of the Terror Busters in the chat. Michael D., Dia R., and Andrea W. Guys... We have only just begun. Thank you all for your support. And then, of course, we have Jude. Jude Morford. She occasionally, she wrote out checks with it month after. She couldn't figure out. I don't know what happened. It's not that she couldn't figure it out. Something with Patreon. She wasn't able to sign up. It was rejecting her debit card. And I have heard that before from other people, saying that they have some problems with Patreon. But... I can't do anything about it. And I tried to help Jude and in the flesh when we got together for the Malloy weekend, and it, it doesn't work. She's 100% correct. So Jude sat there and wrote out monthly checks, which I honestly, it's, it touches me to think that you guys, that Jude in particular, somebody cares enough about the show to keep the show going, about what we're doing, about the message that we're getting out there to sit take their own time and financially contribute but the time that it takes to write out by hand checks and put them in the mail you know what i mean it's a whole process so i really appreciate that and jude is coming here to new york soon i know tara jr is excited to go to the malloy gathering which will be in may hopefully i hope it all depends, I guess, on the on the goddamn coronavirus. Yes. I got your message, Shannon. My friend Shannon just texted me. I have to try on my iPad to log on to YouTube. I'm glad you are on. Yes, every night would be awesome. You are a genius, Tara. Thank you, Shannon. Shannon's been calling me a genius for many years. She knows what she's talking about. We won't be separated, Shannon. So, guys, as I always say, we stick together, we win. I'm not signing off yet. But the, the patrons and the supporters, that is the true essence of we stick together, we win. Because it is the f reality of life, the fact of life that we need to keep a roof over our heads and all of this takes m money it takes time it takes money 
to keep the the channel on the air. Everything costs money, as you know. So it's like my father, I think about it like this, because well, I support different causes. I support Bernie. I support my uh, Buddhist practice financially, my SGI groups and stuff. So, But I think of it like that. My father and mother, they, they loved me. At least uh, I hope they did. But they didn't just say, oh, I love you and walk away. They, they put food on my table and they gave me a roof over my head. And, you know, they kept me. They sustained my life. So that's the way it has. It's not that that's all the end all and be all of love. But you know what I mean? There are practical considerations when it comes to really uh, appreciation. You know what I mean? Um, if you guys, I'm here for you, and you're, I know you're here for me. That's just the way it is. And I appreciate that you are showing your appreciation by keeping the goddamn show on the air. That's just the bottom line. And speaking of, let's, let's talk about... I'm looking at the time. Okay. You know what? Did you guys see... Yeah, we, d- we could do the coronavirus, whatever. Everybody's talking about the coronavirus. Wash your hands. There's a couple of things. I took some videos I wanted to talk about before we move on to Sarah Palin. Because <laughs> I want to talk about that bitch. Because I, f- I can't believe it. She was on the... Uh, what the fuck was she on? Um, the Mass Singer? But... Here's something that Rush Limbaugh said today. Where is this? He said that he thinks that the Democrats, you know, the Democrat Party, as he likes to call it, the Democrat, which really pisses me off. The other day, actually, before I go on to that, I know I'm all over the place. It is what it is. It's a, it's a weekday. Um, they, somebody was interviewing a Republican, and then he, she read a tweet from Twitter. And in, of course, he always says Democrat Party because that's the pejorative. And the woman on on the news read this tweet to this to this Republican. Maybe it was even Mike Pence, whatever. And but what stood out for me was so annoying is that she read the tweet and she went to she got to the Democrat Party part and she said Democratic Party. She read it as Democratic Party. She corrected it. Instead of saying, and I, I do believe it was Mike Pence now that I'm saying it, instead of saying to him, what the fuck is he doing calling the Democratic Party the Democrat Party? What is this shit? Why is she covering for him? She should just read it out and say, he calls it the Democrat Party and explain to the viewers Obviously, he calls it the Democrat Party because it's a pejorative. And it goes back to the, well, who was it? It, was, uh, it wasn't Lee Atwater. Who's that other guy? That, that, that branding genius that he's all over. Oh, Mike, uh, it's uh, Frank Luntz. Now he's, they normalize him. They even had him on MSNBC interviewing some goddamn Trump anti the the voters. What do the voters think about whatever? Not ever 
educating the voters, just repeating what they think, if it's fallacy or not. But why this corporate media mouthpiece didn't, I guess in her mind, when she read it, she's like, I'm going to correct this because it's the wrong thing. But she's also covering Twitler's ass by correcting it instead of calling them out. Nobody calls them out. On occasion, they'll call them out. Like, I'll see Joy Reid on MSNBC. She'll say, no, it's not Democrat Party. It's Democratic Party. And call it out. That's what needs to happen. Uh, Because we even have normal people, decent people, going around saying Democrat Party. Or, I voted Democrat. No, honey, you voted Democratic the, it could, the name of the party is the Democratic Party, not Democrat Party. Yeah, I guess you could say he's a Democrat, but you don't say, I voted Democrat. I voted Democratic. Or even that, it's not even, that's not even the worst offense. So the way that they say Democrat Party, take the Democrat line or the Democrat, like even normal people will say Democrat. Out of, out of, in the wrong way. It's not Democrat Party. And I told you when I listened to the great courses, I remember I played that clip for you guys. I love the great courses. They are great. They really are. <laughs> I learn a lot. I listen to them when I'm working a lot and I'll, or yeah, anything, riding my bike. I don't really listen to music anymore. I should. I'd probably be a better person. Be happier. I'd go walk on a cliff in Ireland, get my Irish citizen, get the fuck out of here, walk on a cliff in Ireland and listen to some music. You know what I mean? Instead of constantly arguing with people and saying it's actually, it's Democrat Party. Democratic Party. (laughs) What am I saying? But on the great courses, I'll play this for those new to the program, let me see if you can pick out what's wrong with this. 1872, Johnson ran for Congress as an independent, torpedoing his own Democrat Party's candidate. And three years later, he prevailed on the 54th ballot. Did you hear that? To be elected senator from 1972, Johnson ran for Congress as an independent, torpedoing his own Democrat Party's candidate. And three years later. Are you fucking kidding me? I actually wrote them a letter. I told you I wrote them. They never responded. I should write them again. What is that shit? Torpedoing his own Democrat party. No, honey. It was never the Democrat party. What the fuck is the Democrat party? Great courses? Are you great? Or are you stupid? Are you, are you a bunch of right-wingers? Or are you ignorant? Because either one, it's not doesn't look good. It's not a good look for the great courses. Are you educating people, or are you a bunch of right wingers that are trying to to see the world the world with your propaganda? What a coup for them! If either way, it doesn't look good for the great courses. Who writes your shit? Who who is the writer? Of this great course. And how come I never received a response now that I say that? They should respond and say, oopsie, we fixed it. 
Look at Terry Jr. there and do that, though. Look at him. Look at this baby. <laughs> okay, that's what I need to do. I need to get my Irish citizenship. M me and Tara Jr. Jr. and Francis Jr. Jr. need to get the F out of here. Right, Jr.? Yes. <laughs> and we need to just listen to music and go on with life. Not even care. Not care. No, I can't do that. I always say that. Only when I'm, I've had it up to here and I don't have any patrons or super chats, then I'm like, I got to get out of this country. I got to get out of here. I got to leave. Uh, what's the point? Sometimes I get into that mood of what's the point? Why was I born? What is the meaning of life? You know what I mean? Why can't I? I don't know. Why can't things be better? Haiku! I don't... He just gave a super chat. <laughs> Thank you. You didn't have to do that. Haiku does many things. He's a, not only a patron and a super chatter, he also gives the suggestions for the clips. He contributes many in many ways. He keeps the channel going. All right. <coughs> One thing... Okay, that happened with the goddamn coronavirus. Where is this effing Limbaugh bastard? Limbaugh, I thought it was funny. Let me, this is just an audio clip so we can see me. Can you hear that? Hmm. In, in just the last five or six Trump rallies, you know how many have been Democrats? 18,000. Well, I can tell you that from the rally I went to in Minnesota, that was the case. It was actually 30% at the one I was at. Were Democrats? Yes. Democrats out the wazoo are showing up at Trump rallies. This is why they want these rallies stopped. This is what's not because of public safety, not because of public health. These people, because as you point out, they're not making an effort to shut down every other opportunity for people to congregate. Right. Isn't so it makes no sense. He's still alive. Oh, and I, I, I just think the majority of people, if I mean, granted their base won't, but the majority of people can see through that. Uh, yeah, no, but it, it makes perfect sense from their standpoint. If you can't beat Trump... And if you if you want to stop the appearance of excitement about the Trump campaign, then stop the rallies. And if you're really worried that so many people attending your rallies are actually Democrats, and you really got to shut them down. <laughs> Please, I don't understand. Please have a rally. I don't. I want them to have more rallies. Rally, rally, rally every single day. Rally. So what Limbaugh is saying that. He, he, the coronavirus is an excuse by Democrats to stop Trump rallies. But I'm like, please have as many Trump rallies as you can every day. Rally, rally with the Trump Tea Party caucus. Rally with Mitch McConnell. Rally with Twitler. Rally with the whole cabinet. All of you. Rally. I don't know. Do it. Prove us wrong. And hug, 
kiss, shake hands, and by all means, touch your faces. All of you. It's a hoax. I'm here to tell you. Limbaugh fan, any of your right-wingers stumble across the channel? Listen, it's a Democrat hoax, right? Go for it. Have a rally. I want you to rally. Why aren't you rallying? With Mitch McConnell and all of your, all your friends, your friends, your family. Take Matt Getz with you. Take, take uh, Ted Cruz. Take Mike Pence. All of you. All take Sean Hannity and the Fox News crew can cover it, because no Democrat party would cover it. No liberal media. They're too busy. With the hoax, we have to keep the hoax going of the coronavirus. But please, rally, shake hands, hug each other, say, oh, thank God, I thank the, the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who we pretend to worship. Thank him that you made it to the Trump rally. Now, b touch your face, touch each other's faces, please. I wish they would have more rallies. Why aren't they rallying more? Do us a favor. Anyway, I just thought that was funny. Um, yeah. Go for Who is stopping you from having a rally? Nobody. For God's sakes. Please do us a favor. It would be poetic justice. If, you're, if you don't believe in it, like Matt gets, that's... This whole thing is, uh, is, we have to, we're not, okay, okay, let me, let me formulate this thought. Republicans never miss an opportunity to make mountains out of molehills and, and politicize anything, anything to their advantage, even things that, that, that are weaknesses, they'll politicize even strengths of the Democrats, of normal people. They will politicize, they turn anything into an opportunity to seize power and entrench it in their hands and in the, in the hands of the, of the rich, right? So what the Democrats need to do that as well. The normal people, we, as you notice, Twitter, he's speaking about how now is not, all of these Republicans are saying, now is not the time to be political, we shouldn't politicize this. I'm sorry. Everything is political, and especially this. We don't want to, uh, you know, this, this virus doesn't know the difference between a Democrat and a Republican. Yeah, you got damn right. And it doesn't know the difference between a Democrat, a Republican, a normal person, and a Republican, a DLC Democrat. And someone who's normal, who wants Medicare for all, who knows that health care is a human right, who wants the rest of the country to have the same benefits and opportunities that we all, that even if we are uh, born on the right side of Reaganomics, we normal people understand that we Real Democrats, real patriots, don't leave anyone behind. 
and especially in a pandemic, it highlights just how weak the greed-centered, kiss-up, kick-down, I-got-mine, Medicare-for-all-who-want-it ideology of greed is the only American value, how weak and destructive it is, and how ant- and, uh, antithetical it is to having a civilization that works, not just a civilization that works, but one that, that doesn't kill. For, you know, I mean, every other country on earth, the citizens of all of those countries, for the majority, all the major countries, every one of our partners, they all, they don't have to worry. You know, in England, they have 30 days paid vacation mandated by law. You know, that country with a goddamn queen and a monarchy. They have it. Not here. Not here in the meritocracy, the United States of serfs and lords. We don't have it. We, we have what? I wonder if anybody's on GoFundMe begging for help with the coronavirus. Let's see. GoFundMe, because one third, is it one third of the, of the campaigns on GoFundMe are, are for um, medical care, which is disgusting. Let me see. The coronavirus. Let's see. I'll show you what I'm looking at. Coronavirus. No, that's me. Beep, bop, bop. That's the wrong page. There we go. Coronavirus. Oh, yeah. These are all Italian sites. Let's see. Fundraisers? I'm wondering if people are on there. Look, Help Cassidy. What is this? Help support Matt. What happened here? Injured in a storm that destroyed their home. Oh, look at that. Medical. Help to cover medical, funeral, and rebuilding expenses. That's terrible. What is this? Head-on collision. Critically injured and receiving care at Randall's Children's Hospital. This is disgusting. Not that they have, have obviously, it's horrible. They have this, in, this horrible injury. But here's a, what, have to, what the hell? On March 6th, Rosa Wilson and her three children were in a head-on collision. Rosa and her daughter, Juniper Kate, were killed. Elliot, seven, and Iona, three, were critically injured and receiving care. At Randall's Children's Hospital. Oh, you can't, you can't see this. It's the way this thing is set up. Here it is. In addition to funeral expenses and medical need. This is terrible. But this, this person would have this horrible tragedy, of course. But would they be worried about medical needs? It's so disgusting. 
Well, that's, well, I guess he didn't know. He didn't plan ahead. He didn't know what health care he needed. What's this? Oh, shit. I have never met a person who didn't immediately fall in love with Lilic. Her smile, love for life, positive attitude, and infectious personality. Blah, 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 blah. What most of you don't know is that f four years ago, Lilic was, was diagnosed with triple negative breast cancer, the worst and most aggressive kind there is. During those four long years, Lilic has been fighting this terrible condition with all her strength, trying to hold on to life as much as she can. We've seen a lot of ups and downs. Some days were better than others, but through it all, Lilic was always positive and determined in her own ways. Earlier this year, there's a sharp decline in her condition. Lilic needs your help. We have... I mean, this is America, everyone. There's a woman with who's battling breast cancer. She has three kids. And they're on, you know, they're getting a good response to their GoFundMe page, but not everybody does. The majority of people who go on GoFundMe, as we know, don't go viral. But you don't see any English people on here. You don't see any Canadians, well, at least not begging for medical care. You don't see any French, German, Scandinavian, Australian, Argentinian, uh, uh, New Zealand. I, I can go on. J Japanese. They're not on here begging for medical care. I'm just waiting for the coronavirus, the coronavirus fundraisers. Let's see some success stories. Uh, let's see, cancer teen, dream come true for Diego. He's diagnosed with a terminal illness. Oh my God. Help Sean Lagarcy fight for his life. Sean was competing in an Ironman event when he fell ill and was diagnosed with a rare heart disease. Unbelievable. Help him overcome his mountains of medical debt and focus on treatment. Well, what about Aetna? What about Blue Cross Blue Shield? I don't know. What about Cigna? I thought that they everybody likes their private health insurance. Where, where are they? Where's Aetna and Cigna? Why aren't they helping him that he can focus on his recovery? No, no, no. They're up his ass. He can't focus on his heart because he's got insurance companies up his ass. Probably. Well, obviously, they're on GoFundMe. People are on GoFundMe. His family. Help him so he can focus on his recovery. 
Sean's ever-increasing medical debts and expenses have simply become untenable. Well, why didn't he know? He, his family should have known and got the health care that he needed, that his family needed to make the choice. You know, like Pete Buttigieg says, you, want, you know better what your family needs, so you need to make the choice. I guess he didn't choose wisely. He should have known that he was going to have this rare heart illness. Pull himself up by his bootstraps and make a choice to get a private health insurance racket, not pay your medical bills and deny care because all they care about is getting rich. That's what the goddamn insurance company is in business to do. It's not in business to help you get better. People, I don't care if Willie Geist says it every day for the next 10 years, because I I don't know what's up this guy's ass, this Willie Geist. Every time somebody turns on a camera in front of him, he's going on about how, or if somebody mentions Medicare for All, how everybody loves their private health insurance. Let me, let's get Willie Geist on the phone and... Explain to Sean Legarcy that, you know, everybody loves their private health insurance, Sean. So it's not fair for you to, to put, a, put such a bad PR stunt together where people are, they look at your, your GoFundMe page and say, isn't that a disgrace? That somebody has to, instead of working on their heart condition, they got to go viral. They got to put a bunch of, they got to put a social media campaign together with all the pictures. He's not even a third away from his goal. He's not, he's not even a fourth away. He has a $100,000 goal and he's only up to $24,000. So what do you what do you think? Uh, this is the, one of the GoFundMe campaigns on the front page, on a, the successes. Sean's ever increasing medical expenses have simply become untenable. His heart, for examples, oh, because you know you gotta itemize it. The heart surgeries are two hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars each. Well, he should have picked the private health insurance that his family needed. But I guess it didn't matter whether he picked Aetna or Cigna or Blue Cross or whatever or United Healthcare. Each of those rackets get rich denying care. So, you know what? But Sean needed some skin in the game, you see. That's what the Republicans and the DLC Democrats who fight for the for-profit health insurance racket. That's what they always tell us. You see, if you don't pay, if the American people don't pay for health care, they're going to abuse it. Obviously, Sean doesn't have enough skin in the game. So how is he going to show how much skin he's got in the game unless he comes up with $275,000 while he's laying in a hospital bed, unable to work? Or get out of the hospital. But, but maybe he could do something. I don't know. Maybe he can 
What can you do while you're laying in your bed, on your hospital bed? He can write some clever, um, I don't know, he could do something. Become, uh, can you do, what could you do for a side hustle when you're recovering for heart, heart surgery? You can't drive an Uber. You can't do DoorDash. You can't, what can you do? What, what's your side hustle, Sean? That might help cover some of this, some of these expenses. Oh, you need vein surgery three per year for the next four years. Oh, shit. What are you going to, I mean, maybe you should, I don't know. Why didn't you think before you, you lazily laid down with a heart condition without work? You should be working. Can't you work? You can't work? Oh, what you mean? You're going to have to prove it. You must be able to do something, Sean. You got to be productive. You got to have skin in the game. Do you have enough skin in the game, Sean? I wonder. I don't know. You don't look like you have enough skin in the game. Well, you have gratitude. That's good. I'm impressed at how many people have helped so far. As some of you know, the last days have been last few days have been rough for me. Well, I'm sorry to hear that, Sean, but this is America. As Republicans have, ha, are wont to say, they when someone was posed the question at one of their debates, what would happen if someone was in a medical uh, had a med- medical emergency and showed up at the hospital and they had no insurance and the Republicans yelled out, the average Joe Republicans in the audience yelled out, let them die. Remember that wonderful time in American history? Well, that's still going on. I wonder if any of these Americans that we're looking at on the GoFundMe page, I wonder how they vote. I, I really am curious to know. Is this okay? I find this repugnant. I'm getting sick from from this campaign that it has to exist. It's horrible that you have to go and do this. Instead of laying in the hospital bed trying to recover, you got to take a fucking photo shoot for GoFundMe and hope that it catches on. Hope that it goes viral, that maybe you can get one-fourth of your goal to cover the 275000 or and more and counting expenses that coming down the pike. What do you think disability will do? Maybe he'll get a $1,500 check a month. If that, if he can work, I doubt it. You're going to have to go prove it. Prove it to the Republicans every three months. This is a, a moral disgrace. And we still have Democrats propping up the for-profit health insurance racket. The for-profit health insurance racket that went through the roof. The stocks went through the roof on Super Tuesday. It makes me sick. I hope I don't get sick because I don't want to go on GoFundMe. 
Oh, look, Sean, when you're used doing your exercises on your lungs, let's have a photo shoot instead of the privacy of being able to recover in peace and dignity with your family. You got to go on the goddamn GoFundMe and do a, an, uh, a photo shoot with your lung exercise machine. Unreal. How you feeling, everyone? You're proud? Proud to be an American? Ridiculous. This is disgusting. Well, he used to have some use, as you could see. Used to ride a bike. Used to swim. Now, what can you do? Republicans, you're nothing. You're nothing. You can't be productive. You should have known, Sean. This is America. You can't afford to be human here. You're either a... A, a host from which to suck profit and discard, or you are the parasite sucking the profit. No in between here. Hopefully, you can do another photo shoot and make up the shortfall of the $75,000 that you're asking. That won't even cover the, the rest of your life. This has quite literally bankrupted him, it, it, they write on the, on the campaign. While insurance covers much of this, he often needs to go out of network. Can you believe that shit? Don't you love your private health insurance company? Well, I love my insurance. If you love it, you can keep it. You could keep it. You know what? You could fucking keep it, Pete Buttigieg. You could keep it. Because we need something that actually works. Because there's more to life. There's more to a government. There's more to a society, humanity, than just the profit motive. And like we run schools. This is why these charter schools are bullshit. Cause, and they, all, they, I, they up their numbers because they, take, they can pick and choose what students they take. Whereas public schools have to take all, all students. You know, the good ones, the bad ones, the ones who need help, the ones who are, don't have money, the ones who are, have problems, the ones who are, are struggling. So, you know, like Trump said, he wants the numbers. He likes the numbers where they are. So, like the charter schools, they like the numbers where they are. You know? So, this, it's, it's just re, uh, repugnant. A repugnant society to be to live in a country that only cares about the greed of a small amount of people. Like, like government shouldn't be worried constantly about if the rich can get richer. The rich are rich enough. And that shouldn't be the consideration. Are people happy? Are they healthy? Are they able to retire? That's the bar that should be set for everyone, including the goddamn Democrats, the fake ones too, like Pete Buttigieg. The ones who say, I trust you to choose. You Fuck you. You trust me to choose between who's going to rob me? Who's going to deny me care? 
the purpose of government is to step in and to say, and to be that advocate, to be your agent, to go in and say, I'm, I, I got your back. No, 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 you ghoulish, disgusting parasite. You will not treat these human beings as nothing from hosts from which to suck profit and discard. Because we are in this together. But not the, uh, not the way they have it now. Now it's, they keep peddling. Like Joe Biden said, if he got a Medicare for All bill came across his desk, he'd veto it. For, I don't know why, what did he say? Because it, w- it might stop others from having, what did he say? Here it is. Uh, let's assume, uh, and I've asked other candidates yeah. this kind of question, veto question. Let's flash forward. Your president, Bernie Sanders, is still active in the Senate. He manages to get Medicare for all through the Senate in some compromised version, the Elizabeth Warren version or, or other version. Nancy Pelosi gets a version of it through the House of Representatives. It comes to your desk. Do you veto it? I would veto anything that delays providing the security and the certainty of health care being available now. What? How does... No, 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 you son of a bitch. Health care will be available now with Medicare for All. You're not... You're, you're, it doesn't make any sense. Veto, it's a, pay, it's a payer, a single payer. So health care will always be there. It's who effing pays. I will veto something that... Uh, let's assume the Senate, in some compromise through the House of Representatives, it comes to... I would veto anything that delays providing the security and the certainty of health care being available now. Health care will be available now because everyone could afford it with Medicare for all. It's not that all of a sudden everything comes to a halt you still be able to go to the doctor it's who pays the goddamn bill the single payer system or the or you out of your pocket even when you have insurance like Sean who's still hundreds and thousands of dollars in debt bankrupt because he made the mistake of getting sick in the United States of serfs and lords when you have a fake Democratic par- Party, a DLC Democratic fake Democrat Party, they're the Democrat Party, parroting the, 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 the propaganda of the very people that are murdering us. That's a disingenuous answer, Joe Biden. I will veto anything that stops the guarantee. Well, I don't even know what the fuck he... Uh, does it make any sense? Uh, let's assume... I would veto anything that delays providing the security and the certainty of health care being available now. That anything that delays providing security... And availability of health care now? How does, how does Medicare for All delay the availability 
And what else? Affordability, did he say? I would veto anything that delays providing the security and the certainty of health care being available now. You stupid, stupid lickspittle of, of Wall Street and the for-profit rapaciously disgusting parasites in the health insurance racket who are dancing in the streets that you and the corporate media and the elites and the Democratic insiders all got together to stomp on the plebs, the uppity plebs. Joe Biden said, pointed to delays in cost when asked in a new interview he would veto Medicare for all. Veto question. We just said that. Biden also said, well, this doesn't explain anything. It just repeats what he said. Look, my opposition isn't to the principle that there should be, you should have Medicare. I mean, uh, look, everybody, healthcare should be a right in America. My opposition relates to whether or not, A, it's doable, to what the cost is. Fuck you. What is, what's the cost? I'm sorry, Junior. I'm sorry. What's the, what's the cost of not doing it? It's not just in dollars, it's in lives. And in bankruptcies. And in broken lives, PTSD, stress, the stress of millions of Americans who walk around with nothing and, and get through each day wiping the sweat off their brow, whoosh, got away again without another, you know, bill that is going to bankrupt me. Thank God. If, so, if I get sick, if somebody, if other people get sick, we're in big-ass trouble. It's doable. A, it's doable. Two, what the cost is. F you. What we should be asking ourselves and these effing fake Democrats and Republicans, we, we know they're a lost cause, is that what's the cost of not doing it? How many people have to die before you do something? How many people have to die, Joe Biden, before you give a shit? What's the consequence for the rest of the budget? This is what he said. And what the consequence? Well, you know what? Let's all just die then, Joe, because you're not worth it. That's the bottom line. If you're rich, you get whatever the F you want. You'll get Joe Biden. He'll be, he'll be singing Dis- Dixie in the street for you. If you got money, you go on to pay. You're from MDNA or whatever, MBMA. Joe Biden will, he'll be, uh, he'll, he'll tell you a story about corn pop. He'll do whatever the hell you want, it, want him to do. He will twist himself into a pretzel and say anything that needs to be said to anybody. He'll point, he, you, don't, you don't see him pointing a finger at the health insurance racketeers, I'm sure. You know, when he launched his campaign after making his video, he went right to the home, a mansion of a rich health insurance lobbyist. So that's how he launched his campaign, including launching it with the same funders of Republicans, of John Boner and, and Paul Ryan. That's your great white hope. That's your Democratic hope. The, you know, he's a real Democrat, as he says. Let me see. Launches campaign. 
So you think that when we show, we saw that video last week of, I mean, not last week. Uh, launch of that guy who asked Joe Biden about guns or whatever. You know, he's like, you're going to take my guns away. You're full of shit. You think that Joe Biden ever yelled and, and uh, got that crazy glass, glass-eyed look in his eye and pointed his finger in the chest of a health insurance lobbyist? I'm, I'm wondering, what do you think of the chances of that? You think he ever said, hey, look fat. Here's the deal. Do a health insurance racketeer? Or was he like, buddy, hey, nice to see you. Thank you so much for all your support, my master. What can I do for you? Can I get out there and peddle some bullshit about Medicare for all who want it or what the cost is or what's pie in the sky after I tell everybody that we're Americans and we can do anything except what we need to do? Yes, I promised myself I wouldn't go off on Joe Biden again, but it is what it is. That's what we're, we're presenting as the alternative to the other disgusting fascist that's squatting in the White House, of course. Oh, is it better? I guess. It won't be tweeting at 3 a.m. It won't, but I, who knows? Who knows? It's going to be a, duff, a uh, tough ride, my friends. And it's also going to be tough getting, getting Twitler out of the White House with this guy, with Joe Biden. There's no doubt. That's the problem. It really is. He is beyond a flawed candidate. Oh, 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 I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I just dropped the cat. I, I thought he didn't, he didn't turn over fast enough. I thought he was jumping down. I'm sorry. Okay. You okay? You forgive me? You forgive me? Okay. I know. I was mean. That wasn't nice. I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. It was an accident. You are precious to me. You're precious. You are the precious. Hey! I know. I'm sorry. All right. What else? Okay, let's play one more thing. Before we go, it's almost 11.30. That's another three-hour Tower Buster. If you can become a patron, become a patron. Or or not. If you're not a patron, you should feel bad about that, I think. If you can't be a patron, become some other su- kind of supporter. You can share the show with your friends. You could tell your friends about the show. You can... Give the show a good review on iTunes. That helps as well. If you are on other liberal talk shows, on the chats of those shows, tell your friends and the other chatters on the show about this show. Say, hey, if you like Randy Rhodes, if you like 
whatever else chat you're on, if you're on the Young Turks, if you're on Majority Report, say, you will like Terrorbuster. You should listen to Terrorbuster. You should join us on Saturday evenings on our regular scheduled show. You know what I'm saying? And you go from there. And that's how the word gets out, and that's how we build an audience, and we actually have a show, a daily show, that is a contender, that can stand up, that has a voice, that can do something that, to spread the word about what we need to do to fix this country. We know what we need to do. We absolutely know what we need to do. It's as American as apple pie. It's as American as Social Security. And it is only not coming to fruition because of the broken-ass government and the, pol and the political insiders who are standing in the way. Forget about conservatives uh, standing athwart history yelling stop. What are the Democrats doing? What are the, what's the DLC Democrats doing? We, I, I know that there are some Democrats that say that the Democratic Party are irredeemable. Me, I believe uh, that they have to be reformed, that we need to take over the Democratic Party from the inside, honestly. Or, I don't know. Be we got to get rid of all these DLCers. They got to go. They meet. They need to be purged. The people who are taking money from the corporate interests. The, the as you could see, Bernie has blazed the trail. AOC did the same thing. That's how she got elected. Not a single dime in corporate donations. All through people. If the if we can't fix the campaign finance rules like that, we could make it so untenable, so a, a, such a mark on the person, that, uh, that a stain that will follow them everywhere, like Wine Cave Pete. Obviously, the empire is striking back, but we are legion. Okay, let's see what Republicans are doing with their retirement. So we know that F and Sarah Palin. This is how you know that Republicans are horrible. That they are unfit to hold leadership positions in a modern nation. And that they hate America. By the mere fact that they put Sarah Palin, they made her the vice president candidate for their party. The nomination of their party. They literally... They would have voted for her, put her 70, what is it, a 76-year-old cancer survivor, heart attack uh, man away from the presidency. It doesn't matter. We see at the time the Sarah Palin, that we thought that was too low, a low that they had hit bottom. They hit bottom with Bush. They hit bottom with Sarah Palin. Then we didn't realize how low they could go. You know, when you're saying... Look at what they've done with Sarah Palin. Now they, they have a literal con man st a, as a standard bearer, a tax-cheating, draft-dodging, dictator-envying, drug-addled, pussy-grabbing con man. Well, nothing wrong with pussy-grabbing, but if you have permission, you know what I mean? No, not a sexual assaulter. 
someone who is a disgusting waste of human DNA, an ignoramus who it's embarrassing. The fact that he he tweets out a picture of himself playing a violin saying, I don't know what this means, but I like it in the midst of the coronavirus shows you what an ignoramus he is. He doesn't understand. He has no grasp. And we know this already because people who leave the party, they, they've told us, people who write books and anybody else who's been in his orbit understands he can't read and he's a moron. He hasn't read a book since Dick and Jane. I and mean, you know he, it's been said that he had Mein Kampf on his, on his, um, on his nightstand, but you know he's never read it. He just likes, he'll read excerpts from it, I'm sure. He'll, other people will read it to him, but he doesn't understand why him playing a violin in the midst of a crisis is not a good thing. I don't know what he thought it meant. Maybe he thought it meant like, oh, look, I'm so good at everything. I, As the world is burning around me, I'm playing a fiddle. He doesn't understand. He knows nothing about history. He knows nothing about American history. He knows, he knows bumper stickers. He knows a little bit about Andrew Jackson because of what he's been told. He knows a little bit about nothing. I mean, you know that he's a stupid moron because the other thing that makes him so, so ignorant is that Here's somebody that had the best education money could buy, and he's still an ignorant moron. What that has to be that's a special kind of stupid. That's a level of stupid that you have to really work at to achieve. He he didn't learn a goddamn thing. You would think even just showing up at, in these cushy elites prep schools and and private universities and military academies, wherever the hell else his parents sent him to make a man out of him, and they made a monster, but they knew he was a monster. So uh, they were monsters too, I guess. Whatever. How many monsters can one family produce? Uh, don't answer that. Look at every single Twitler spawn, not a one of them, uh, well, I guess we have to see what happens with Baron, but none of them have made uh, any anything better in this world. They haven't contributed a damn thing to Earth. They are the antithesis of what it means to be human. They're they're monsters. They're they're the uh, the they're the personification of takers. They don't bring anything to the table, and that's how that's why they're the, the stupidest most wasted collection of DNA ever to inflict itself on the human species at all, all of it. Because they don't, like, like, like their filthy, disgusting father who couldn't learn anything, who hadn't learned a goddamn thing despite all of his opportunities being handed to him, everything handed to him. And he didn't, he couldn't come out of school understanding or knowing anything. No, everybody knows. 
anyone with a, lev a certain level of literacy and grasp of human history knows the story of Nero fiddling while Rome burned. They know about Nero. They know the brutality of many of the Roman emperors, the depravity. They, they know that by just being conscious, showing up to school, sitting in class, paying a, uh, just a little bit of attention to things, having a slim level of intellectual curiosity. It doesn't take much, just a little bit. So clearly he doesn't know it. He doesn't know the story, and he doesn't care. And if he didn't know the story, if somebody told him the story, he would go on Twitter and tell it to all of us as if we didn't know it. You know, a lot of people say that Nero fiddled while Rome burned. I did you know that? Nobody, a lot of people, they don't know that. They didn't know that. Sort of like when he said, Lincoln, a lot of people don't know that. He, Lincoln was a Republican. Did you know that? Because him being the center of the universe, the world is, extends as far as his eyelashes, unless he's looking in a mirror, you know? So it's all, it's all of according to him. We are nothing. He's a sociopath. That's clear. But it's the same thing. Can, we could say the same thing about his children, who are useless wastes of human DNA, because they, in turn, have had everything handed to them. And what have they done with their privilege? Are they out there making the world safe for democracy? Are they doing anything with their privilege? Are they trying to write, make things right, uh, you know, work for justice, peace, justice, truth? in the American way? No. They're making sweatshops in China. They're getting a patent for some tacky, effing, stupid, Ivanka, ugly shoe brand. They're not even adding anything to human existence. Not at all. They take murdering beautiful animals who add more value to Earth than any Trump has ever added in any of, of their lifetimes. Any Twitler, any, all the ancestry of Twitler going back to whenever, wherever he, whenever his family tree crawled out of the primordial ooze, you know it was, it was a lazy con man piece of shit that crawled out. Nothing. They have brought nothing to the table. Never have and never will. They are nothing but takers. They're vile. Anyway, and that's what the Republicans are in general. Republicans like Steve Schmidt, who I enjoy his, uh, the way that he eviscerates Trump. And now he's all upset about Trump. Let's see, Steve Schmidt. Sarah Palin. He, but he, he could thank himself for Trump because he was the Republican insider that helped John McCain come to the conclusion that he needed to pick Sarah Palin as a running mate. 
So all of the retrospect op-eds that he writes, he's made a mistake. Steve Schmidt, this is from the, what is this, the Washington Post in 2012. Where, rare is it that a political operative owns up to his mistakes? But Steve Schmidt did that just a few hours ago on Morning Joe. The chief strategist for Senator John McCain's 2008 presidential campaign is a plain-spoken and direct man. Really? And he was ever thus when asked his thoughts on the HBO's movie Game Change. Schmidt's blunt and unblinking honesty in talking about the selection of Sarah Palin as Ms. McCain's vice presidential nominee and his role in that decision is to be commended. Others who would follow in his footsteps must learn from the mistakes. Are you kidding me? It's a story of when cynicism and idealism collide, when you have to do the right things, oh, do the things that are necessary to win, to try to get in office, to do great things you want to do for the country, Smith said. And I think it showed a process of vetting that was deliberate, debilitated by secrecy and that was compartmentalized, that failed, that led to a result that was reckless for the country. And I think when you look back at that race, you see this person who is so phenomenally talented at so many levels and ability to connect, but also someone who has a lot of flaws as someone running to be in the National Command Authority who clearly wasn't prepared. Politically, she was a net positive to the campaign, Schmidt said, of the former Alaska governor. But she was a net negative because someone was nominated to the vice presidency who was manifestly unprepared to take the oath of office should it become necessary and as it has become necessary many times in American history. For me, and the experience I had on this campaign, is that there are worse things than losing, Schmidt said. When he was asked to spell that out, he said, when a result happens that puts someone who's not prepared to be president on the ticket, that's a bad result. I think the notion of Sarah Palin being president of the United States is something that frightens me, frankly, and I played a part in that. And I played a part in that because we were fueled by ambition to win. I think there are important lessons to learn. The reality is that both parties have nominated people in the last decade who are not prepared to be anywhere near the Oval Office. John Edwards in the Democratic Party and Sarah Palin in the Republican Party. This is the both sides. He has to say, oh, look, um, I, I did it. It's like when your mommy caught you doing something wrong. You were like, well, but, but Johnny did it. Johnny did it too. This infantilism of the Republicans, this both sides bullshit. John Edwards. John Edwards is no Sarah Palin. At least John Edwards could put a sentence together. He had some things going for him. Sarah Palin is nothing but an empty suit and an annoying one at, at that. Another moron who fit the suit, like Johnny Bravo on the Brady Bunch when they were looking for a new lead singer. Oh, he fit the suit. Doesn't matter who you get. Just get somebody who fits the suit. That's what they needed with Sarah Palin. And the reason why I'm bringing it up is because, again, what did Sarah Palin do after she left the national stage? Of course, she went on to be a pundit on Fox News. She fails at that because she, she's a babbling idiot. But... She started her own reality TV show channel, 
which failed. And it's really interesting, actually. I went on her, her YouTube channel, Sarah Palin's America. There's only like 500 subscribers, which I thought was weird. Because we have more subscribers. And I wondered if that was why... I guess, I mean, there's no content being created, but maybe is that why? She ended up... Stop I, I, she started the channel and they, and they ended it like a year, less than a year later. But anyway, it doesn't matter. That's my, my concern. My concern is, uh, what did she do after she left... She said that she, well, first of all, she quit the governorship. And because she saw her star on the ascendance, not that she wanted to help people. She's nothing but a grifter, like all the Republicans. It reminds me of Karl Rove. When Karl Rove wrote that he met, when he met George Bush, he said, I can make him president. Not that this man is so amazing, he needs to be president. We need to do something for our country and our community by making this amazing person president. He really deserves it. He'll be a great leader. Know that he could manipulate the dupes into voting for this idiot. I can make him president. That's all it is. And they know that. That's why they like, they will vote for Trump. They'll do it. They like Trump. They'll take Joe Biden, though, on some of them will. They just don't like the chaos. And Joe Biden will give them the same uh, DLC, except it'll be kinder, kinder, gentler fascism, they'll, but he'll do nothing to fundamentally change the, uh, the problems in the country, as we know. But maybe he will. I don't know. Oh, I don't want to be too completely negative, but... Uh, if past performance is indicative of future results, Joe Biden is not um, a progressive. Let's put it that way. In a time where we need structural change to get this goddamn country back on track. But anyway, let's keep on Sarah Palin. She was on... So, as I was saying, so when... What, is, what does Jimmy Carter do? They, a man, they eviscerate him. They mock him. He wasn't that bad of a president. And in fact, if we had listened to him, we, would be, we wouldn't be in the Middle East right now. Americans wouldn't be dead. We probably wouldn't have been attacked on 9-11 because we would have been fully energy independent. What did the Republicans do? The minute they got the, the White House back, despite committing treason, because that's what Reagan was doing, Republicans used treason like, a, uh, like any electoral strategy. He was negotiating behind the back of the sitting president with the Iranians to keep the hostages, so keep our fellow Americans, you know, because they love America, keep them in bondage, so it looked good for Reagan's campaign. It would be, it would be detrimental to Carter. <clears throat> so, you know, that's who Republicans are. They don't give a shit. You're nothing. You're a pawn. Isn't that clear? Of course it is. 
It's better be clear. If it's not, you're one of I guess you're one of these idiots driving an Uber saying I'm a capitalist. I'm a capitalist. But so Jimmy Carter's out there because he's a decent human being spending his twilight years after the presidency, he's in his 90s, building Habitat for Humanity, helping humans, contributing, trying to make the world a better place in spite of Republicans, in spite of their incessant criticism, their, their, because they would criticize Jesus Christ if he came back down, like they all pretend they, lie, they love him, but they'd crucify him again. You know that. So, but Sarah Palin's out there trying to find a reality gig, a reality TV gig. She tried her Sarah Palin's America channel. She had a show on TLC where she murdered a caribou in a snuff film because, you know, that's what you do. You murder. And, and people say, oh, you do it for, you, you can't criticize hunting because people eat what they, what they kill. You could, but you can criticize Sarah Palin because she, cur- she killed a beautiful animal for the only reason it was good for the camera. So what is that? And she giddily chopped it up. Oh, isn't that fun? That's how you... Fa- yeah, that's, that's what a human, a decent human being does with their spare time. They murder things. They make things dead. For fun. Nothing makes you feel more alive than killing, right? Like any good sociopath. But now she was on in the grand tradition of Republican embarrassments, like, uh, what's his name? Rick Perry, and then Sean Spicer. She was on, not Dancing with the Stars, The Masked Singer. Here's a clip. Are you fucking kidding me? You get sprung! Oh my god, what is our show? Teeth with the jeans he's wearing. I'm hooked and I can't not stare at all. Oh baby! Wanna get with ya and take your picture? My homegirl tried to warn me, but I fucked you. Don't make me so. Ooh, rubber smooth skin. Sing over my pants. Use me, use me. Cause ain't that average groupies. I, I'm sorry, everyone. I've seen it all. I've literally seen it everything. I've seen everything. Baby got Can you believe this? I'm thinking about sticking. Is your good Christian? Are you fucking kidding me? Unbelievable. Uh, yeah, really, Paradu on the chat. Cancel America now. It's ridiculous.
It's gone to... That's not bread and circus? What the F is? It's not funny, Sarah Palin. You're not cute. You're not human. I don't understand this. It's confusing to me. I feel I feel like I need help. I need us I need my shrink to help me process this. That's why we need the Terrorbuster community cuz it's like a group group therapy. How do we process this? This is what the Republicans did to us. They put this unqualified, self-seeking, self-serving this attention whore a, a heartbeat away from the presidency. This fucking, uh, this bitch, this dumb person. Morally incapable of holding a, a, a position of, of leadership over other human beings, to have power, to shape lives. This person. Baby got back. Okay, I, it's not funny. It's not cute. I don't know what they're trying to do. Show us that... I, I, in her mind, is she trying to show us that she's human or something? I don't get it. Oh, look, Republicans are fun-loving. They're just like us or something. I don't know. This isn't just like us because we are not insane. And we know our boundaries. We know the boundaries of decency. We know dignity. And we wouldn't prostitute ourselves to a reality show just to get attention. I don't understand this. This is what this person is spending her time doing. Her platform. She has a platform. She's got a voice. There, she can make change. She can make a difference. What is she doing? She's drinking liberal tears. Drinking out of a big gulp. She's a divisive tool. Who is unfit. I'm sorry. I had to move you. The entire family. I remember. I don't know if you guys remember this. A couple of years ago. Sarah Palin's family was in a family fistfight at a house party. The entire family. Now, imagine, if you will, if the Obama girls, Malia, Sasha, Michelle, and, and their father went to a house party and got into a drunken brawl with the guests. What do you think the right-wingers would be doing? That's what I'm saying. This is exactly what we were talking about this whole show. Republicans hate America. They overcompensate. They are masters of projection. So when they're, they say, oh, liberals, liberals hate America. They're, this is real America. The liberals hate America. What they mean, what they're trying to say, they're screaming for help. And they're saying, I hate America. The, the Republicans hate America because they... They behave, they're, they and when they say that liberals are indecent or whatever, because this is what they charge us with being, that we, we're, you know, we don't, we don't have any decency or something. This is, we're decent, we're, we're out there building habitat for humanity. 
We're there fighting on the front lines so that everyone gets health care. That people don't come out of college as indentured servants. That everyone, including Sarah Palin, her cons- the people who are dumb enough to vote for her, even those people get a decent middle-class life. We're fighting so government, so the, that the people who gave their lives for this thing didn't die in vain, and the government works for everyone, which means that it gets together. We all get together and say, this is the way it's going to be. Rich people, like it or not, you pay your taxes, you pay the price of admission for a civilized country, and that means we don't leave anyone behind. That means not just you get to live behind the walls of your gated community and count your stock dividends, but that we all have a decent middle-class life. And when we get sick, we go to the doctor, and we don't worry about the bill. And we have, when we put in a, a, a lifetime of work, we get to retire in decency and dignity. We don't have to go on GoFundMe. We don't have to find an angle or come up with a hustle. I don't know what it is. Is Sarah Palin hurting for money? Maybe she is. Get another job. Run for governor. Run for office. No, 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 that's not, that's not good enough because she got a taste, you see. She got a taste of the, of the life that she is now accustomed to, of people kissing her ass, the attention. And she needs that, like, tr- like twit, no, La la la. What happened? Hold on. I'm fixing the camera. What happened? Are we back? Stupid thing happened again. <sighs> yeah, it went black again, and then it went back. Baby got black. Baby got back. Baby got black, and then baby went back, and then went back. Baby got black. Baby got back. But, all right, one more thing I wanted to say. Yeah, she's disgusting. I, there's so many things. And then as I was looking at old Sarah Palin videos, I don't know why, That's why I ask you to be a patron, because at least, you know, I get, I got to look at these videos for you guys. You don't have to do it. (laughs) Well, you, I'm going to bring you into it. Now I'm going to share them with you. Let me see. Where the heck is it? Oh, here's her when she killed a caribou. Yes, TLC. This program contains material that may be disturbing to some viewers. Viewer discretion is advised with America's sweetheart murdering a caribou. All right, come on, play the goddamn video. Why isn't it playing? It's not playing. Uh Uh-oh. I hope something's wrong. Let me see. 
Yeah, I think something's going on with the stream. None of the videos are playing. Maybe the stream is reaching the end. Something might have happened when it went black. Let me see. Yeah, nothing's playing. Shit. Can you hear me, guys? Can you guys hear me on the chat? Hear me. Yes or no? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Okay, good. But nothing is playing. None of my sound effects are playing. No videos are playing. So, obviously, I need to restart the computer, restart the stream, but I'm not going to do that. We're going to wrap up because it's time. I've been on the air for almost four hours now. Wait, 8.30, Yeah, no, three, and a, three hours and 15 minutes. So, but one of the things, one last thing. Here's, a, here's something. Because I was going to play the video of Sarah Palin murdering a caribou for, for fun. But here's a couple of things, actually. Let's talk about Sarah Palin's fist fight in the House party. Anchorage authorities announced on Thursday that they do not plan to press charges over a drunken street brawl involving the family of former Alaska Governor Sarah Palin. The police also released a detailed report about the fracas, which occurred at a party at the house of Corey Klingenmeyer on September 6th. Officers responded to dispatch at about 2,200 hours to a disturbance in which about 20 people were involved. When officers Justin Blake and John Daly arrived, Palin's eldest son, Track, who had, bloodied, who had blood around his mouth and on his hands, appeared to have an injury under his left eye and on his upper cheek and wasn't wearing a shirt. He was, <laughs> was being walked towards a long white limousine by several people, two of whom were Sarah Palin and her husband, Todd. What a, what a scene! These freaks, they have no dignity. Imagine, imagine Obama doing that, any Democrat doing that. Even the fake Democrats. Imagine a DLC are doing that. Imagine if Nancy Pelosi and her daughter were at a house that, where 20 people got into a fist fight. And where they arrived at the house party in a, in a white stretch limo. Who are these people? Obviously, that white stretch limo is a rental. It's tr real trash. Complete and utter trash. Palin's 23-year-old daughter, Bristol, on whom Officer Blake said he smelled the odor of alcohol, was there at all, as well. From his statement, Track Palin, whom Officer Daly had a hard time getting to calm down because he was angry and intoxicated, the family were out celebrating Todd Palin's birthday. And then they decided to go to another party at Corey Klingenheimer's house. Track was heavily intoxicated and at first acted belligerently towards the, the police. But Sarah Palin told him to talk to Officer Daly. Track told Daly that while they were at the party, some guys were talking rudely 
to his sisters, making them cry, and they decided to leave. He said that they were on their way out when a friend, Stephen, was sucker-punched from behind. It was at this point, Track Toe Daly, that he took off his shirt to fight. Because he's a man, you know? He sucker-punched us, man. We were walking out. We... They're talking rudely to us, and we were out of there, man. And then someone sucker punched us, because that's the kind of people we hang out with. I don't know where you live and what kind of people you hang out with, but even if I'm in a group of people, nobody's going to sucker punch me. I'll say, good night, everyone. Even if they don't agree with me politically, they'll say, good night. Right? You know, okay, bye, everyone. Have a nice night. They suck a punch me. You know, like, oh, they're acting rude. Come on, mom and dad. Let's, let's beat the shit out of these guys. They're making our sister and your daughter cry, mom and dad. You raised us right. To show us how to kill, how to make animals dead, and how to not take it when somebody sucker punches you at a house party. Cause that's what you told us. That's what the way that's the Republican way. They taught us about being men. That's what men when men were men. Remember when America was great? And you could, when you sucker punch somebody and you just, you just have a big house party and nobody went to jail, that's when it was great. And you could drink beer with your mom and dad and get drunk and heavily intoxicated in a white stretch limo without anybody talking rude and making your sister cry. That was when America was great. I don't know why I'm talking like that. <laughs> Let's see. Brian Herschel, who was also at the party, told Daly that he had spoken to numerous people and had a good idea what happened. According to Herschel, Track started a fight and got beat up. That's the long and end of it. But there you go. That's a Republican for you. It's not that they're in the wrong. No, no, no. It's not that he started the fight. Everybody's talking rude. And they sucker-punched us. Man, I don't know why. I was just standing there making America great, and all of a sudden a punch came in my face for no good reason. I was saying I was just being an being a upstanding American citizen. I'm a veteran. USA, USA. So what, how many beers? I only had two. They always have two beers, right? Just two. I only had a couple of beers. That's my right as an American. Like, like Kavanaugh. I like beer, okay? Who doesn't like beer? If you're a man, if you're an American, not one of these liberal cryberry, I mean, crybabies, I like, in between my liberal tears, I drink some beer, okay? Like Kavanaugh, he likes beer, okay? I'm like him. Imagine, uh, the other thing I was thinking the other day was, just thinking about Kavanaugh, I like beer. Imagine if a black, 
person who was up for the Supreme Court. Imagine a Supreme Court nominee who happened to be black and a Democrat. Of course, he had to be a Democrat and black. Was like, yeah, I like beer, okay? What do you think the Republicans would do? (laughs) Never in a million years. Okay. Klingenheimer, who at whose party all this happened and who appeared to only be moderately intoxicated, according to police reports, told the officer that he was angry that the Palins had shown up and were causing problems. That's so unlike them. They're usually just such decent people going around making America great and making things dead as they are wont to do, being upstanding Americans, never annoying anyone, never being stupid and belligerent. That's the way they are. I can't even imagine it. In what appears to be a separate altercation, a few minutes later, Bristol Palin approached Klingenmeyer and said she was going to beat that girl's ass. Klingenmeyer, who the report describes as six feet tall and weighing 215 pounds, told Bristol that he wasn't going to have any of that here and that she should go home. Klingenmeyer told Daly, that's the cop, that Bristol responded, who the fuck are you? And added, she would kick his ass. Well, he's only the owner of the home that was having the party and said, you know what, you people are a bunch of whiny-ass bitches who aren't making America great. You're making America G-R-A-T-E. In that way, you're grating on our nerves, so get the F out, you attention-seeking clan of of morons and murderers who murder beautiful animals for no good reason except, you know, (laughs) reality TV. Klingenmeyer said, where is it? Oh, Corey told her, wait, wait, where am I? Corey told her, go ahead and punch him. Horschel, who saw the whole event, told Daly, and she punched him in the face. That's Bristol for you. She apple don't fall far from the tree. Corey told her, hit him again on the other side of the face. And she did so in a few, a few times before Corey finally stopped her. He said that he then sat on her, on her ass, and told her to leave. Klingemeyer said that after the sixth punch, he grabbed Bristol's fist and pushed her away and that she fell on the floor. Three other witnesses corroborated Klingenmeyer's account. A fourth, Matthew McKenna, described Bristol as out of control. So unlike her. How could you be out of control? Because they're always in control. They control everything. They're Republicans. The world is their oyster. We just live in it. If it's your house and you're throwing a party in a family of... Of, of white trash morons show up to get in a brawl you, you, yeah, and you ask them to leave That's, you, you shouldn't ask them to leave that's not your right it's their world that's their house as far as you're concerned wherever they live wherever they are is their house your home is their home 
McKenna, could you imagine being a fly in the wall at the at the Sarah Palin home? It must be fun. The real Sarah Palin home, like this, where they're drinking and pulling off their shirts and sucker punching people and talking about what victims they all are. How everyone is, how unfair everything is to them. How they can't just get drunk for daddy's birthday and act like assholes all over town without cops being called and people sitting on your ass. After you went to the whole problem of renting a white stretch limo and classy and all. Being classy. Showing everybody how much class you have in that white stretch limo. Let's see. He went to Bristol, picked her up, and brought her from the yard to the street and put her down. He said that at that point, both Todd and Sarah Palin were there asking what happened. He told them to leave, according to his statement, and, and uh, to another responding officer, Ruth Adolph. But nobody listened. And yet another fight started. Well, that's the Republican way. You don't listen. You just keep flailing about. At, like you own the place. Bristol, whom Daly described as heavily intoxicated and upset because she's mother of the year, at first denied knowing who Klingenmeyer was and then said that Klingenmeyer had drug her across the lawn. Drug, as you know, that's what she said. Drug her across the lawn by her legs and was calling her a cunt and a slut. Daly reported that Bristol said she didn't know what else happened and didn't have a clue whether she hit him or not. She's just in a defensive mode, flailing and flailing, and she's out of control, defending herself like a mother bear, like a lion. What do they say? Yeah, mama bear. In a separate interview, Bristol told Blake Klingenmeyer called her a slut over and over, and that someone then pulled her around on the grass by her feet. That someone stole her shoes and sunglasses. Adolph spoke to Bristol's sister, Willow, who said that Klingenmeyer had assaulted Bristol and that the older lady pushed her. Willow, who's like 14 or 12 or something, so let's go out for daddy's birthday and go to a house party because we're all half drunk and track over here is drunk off his ass and Bristol's drunk. Great example. Could you imagine? Okay, let's play it again. If Obama. Okay? If Obama. She also said that people were saying things like, fuck the Palins. Well, they're just being a normal people, as normal people are apt to do. How can you... What kind of a response do they expect to a, a family of sociopaths showing up at someone's house to make a big uh, scene? Showing up in a stretch limo, half drunk, and t turning it into a fist fight. Of course they'll say fuck the palins. They ruined the party. Any palin, a Republican always ruins a party somehow. Whether they say something stupid, whether they go MAGA or Trump, like they ruin the chat. When we know from firsthand, when a Republican gets on the chat, 
What do they ever offer? Do they come in and offer something decent? Do they want to talk like a normal person? No. They come in and they go, Trump 2020! Or say something incredibly inane and stupid like Trump 2020. Bringing nothing to the table. It's like they walk into a conversation already in progress and lay a big fart. That's the equivalent. Where you're just like, will you please get out of here with that? You stink. Where is it? Adolf then went back to the house, but reported that Todd Palin came back to the driveway and confronted Klingenmeyer, asking if he called his daughter a bitch. Could you imagine this? Not a normal, grown human being. If, if that happened, I'm trying to think my father, what would he do? He'd say, get, get the fuck out of here. We wouldn't even be there. We wouldn't even be there with a bunch of trash, drinking beers at, at, out of a white stretch limo. And if it happened, he wouldn't be like, did you call my daughter a bitch? Well, come on, let's go. Let's go, I'll teach you a lesson here. As if, like, like it matters if some white trash meth head calls your daughter a bitch. Like, who cares? Okay, we'd be like, all right, obviously these people are not our cup of tea. Let's go. The only reason you would get mad and have a fist fight is if you believe it. You know your daughter's a bitch. Obviously, she believes his daughter is a bitch. Why? He's defending her honor? He would be defending her honor if he said, let's get the fuck out of here and not act like a, a bunch of assholes. Worse than we already are. Teach them how to act like normal adults who engage in social intercourse. For fuck's sake. We know she knows how to engage in other kinds of intercourse. Always popping out kids despite being the poster child for abstinence. That's the Republican way. She literally is a poster child for abstinence. I, literally. I mean it. Bristol Palin. Abstinence only. It's the truth. I'm not saying that. She was hired by to do PSAs. Bristol Palin, abstinence. See how long these shows can go? Abstinence advocate Bristol Palin has a second unplanned pregnancy. Bristol Palin, the daughter of former Alaska Governor Sarah, Sarah Palin, announced on Thursday that she was pregnant with her second child out of wedlock. I wanted you guys to be the first to know I'm pregnant, Palin wrote on her blog. Honestly, I've been trying my hardest to keep my chin up on this one. You know, I thought it was a blessed miracle. Why are you, what are you talking about? The news comes just one month after Palin suddenly called off her wedding with, to Medal of Honor recipient, recipient Dakota Meyer, which had been scheduled for May 23rd. This is in 2015. I wonder if Bristol Palin still has a blog. That would be a fun one to visit every now and then. Oh, let's see. Does she? Bristol Palin, Life, Family, Alaska. Damn it. 
the last post was June 2018. Damn it. Oh, well. That would have been some good fodder. All right. You guys, I think that's the end of the show. It's already after midnight. I got to get unconscious. I wish I was unconscious right now. Maybe I am unconscious. I'd like to get unconscious. I like being unconscious. It's fun. I can fly. I get to do things I can never do. I'm always naked and falling and my teeth are flying out of my skull. Dreaming and dreaming and dreaming. All right, listen, you guys. Thank you for hanging out. If you can become a patron, please become a patron. All right? Become a patron. We can do it. We can have a daily show. If you believe that we should have a daily show, then become a patron and tell your friends. Become uh, Do some super chats. I want to thank the Super Chatters tonight. Haiku. Jim, of course. Who else gave? I, can't, I don't have the list. It disappears. Not Steven. He gave the other night. Anyway. Patricia. I should write it down as it goes. Oh, you know what? I know where I can find it. I feel stupid to say... Not to miss people's names. Mark. Jim, of course. Haiku. And somebody else. It does because on my on my Twitter feed, when somebody super chats, it goes off. It gives a it gives a set a shout out. But I only have two here. Mark C and Jim, but I know that Haiku gave a super chat and it's not up there and someone else did as well and now I sh feel bad because I can't find your name and I forget, it was so long ago it was like three hours ago now does anybody remember? <laughs> does anybody remember laughter? Guys, I wish I could know. I wish I knew the effing super chats. Wish they didn't disappear. It's so annoying. For me, it's hard to keep track. All right, anyway. You guys have been great. I appreciate everything. I'm scanning the chat, trying to find it. God damn it. Was it Patricia? No. Anyway, whatever. I'm sorry, guys. Andrea? Greg? Greg, you gave a super chat, didn't you? Terry? Joby? Assured Trump Vic... Who's Joby? You hit the nail on the internet. Patricia? Haiku? Paradu L's 214 Guys You guys are amazing Thank you all 
I'm sorry if I missed you out. Andrea. And <clears throat> we will meet here again on Saturday. Okay, people? And Shannon. You were there? What the hell? All right. I will try to get over my guilt. You are amazing. My name is Tara Devlin. Please become a patron. We know the drill. Um, I'm, I'm going to stop talking now. We stick together. We win. I will see you in a couple of days.